All right, everybody, welcome to episode nine of the Talking Lead podcast, where we'll be discussing, well, nines. How's it going, left hand? Nine meals, baby. Yeah, going good. How about you, bud? Doing well. Did you have a good week? I did have a good week. Had a very good week. Got my first Glock Saturday. Very first? Yeah, very first Welcome to the club. If you don't count the 17 that I bought my wife. Well, that kind of counts. I mean, possession, what is it, being married, uh, it's 50-50, right? Yeah. So is it half mine, even though it's color-filled You get the lower half. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have it here? The lower half? Yeah, it's the one in the middle. This one? Yeah. So kind of color job you do. That's good, though, because the lower half is the one that's actually considered a gun by the... ATF. We are filming this episode, you so if you're listening that. right now, oh, this will probably be on YouTube like five months <laughs> later, because I got a feeling that's how long it's going to take me to edit it and put it into the, how many different parts are they allowed to have? This I think it's 15 minutes it. when you first start. Well, I guess yeah, you I put her name on it, so I guess technically it's not yours now. Yeah, Mrs. Blank. We won't mention my last name, but oh. I just wanted her, like I said in that previous episode. Mrs. Zeke is, is what it says. Yeah, it says Mrs. Zeke because uh, you know I wanted to make sure that she knew it was her gift. So I'm you cut yourself in the throat right there. Buddy, you don't get any of that. I know, no, but she loves it's it. hers. But I got and my 19 now, so that's what matters. We got some very special guests here in the studio with us. Uh, speaking of studio, we, this is our first recording in the new Talking Lead headquarters. Yes, we are uh, the high rise. We, Talking Lead high rise. That's right. Our our big sky tower in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got some very special guests with us tonight. It's not we have got Bruce. He is with a local police force SWAT team leader, correct? Correct. How long have you been doing that? I've uh, been a police officer just under 18 years in Texas. Everybody forgive me. I'm trying, not trying to do a Vin Diesel night. I've got a head cold. I'm fighting. So. Everybody's going to think it's sexy, though. Oh, yeah. Um, we uh, actually do have Vin Diesel in house tonight. So. Why was Welcome he, in, Vin. Why was he strapped up in leather downstairs to no, a chair? You. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're Vin Diesel. <laughs> Well, uh, no, I've uh, our ratings up. Go along with it. Doing my best, doing my best. Uh, <laughs> Eighteen years in law enforcement, and I guess about fifteen years uh, attached to a SWAT team. Nice. Bruce is going to be uh, one of our guest judges when we have the AR-15 beauty contest. Going to be a good time there. I've got my speedo ready. <laughs> Not, not contestant. Not oh, contestant. Okay. Guest okay. judge. Guest uh, judge. Our other special guest we have from YouTube Notoriety is Ten Outdoors Nine. How's it going? Going pretty well. Thanks for having me tonight. We figured uh, nine millimeter. You got nine in your name. Why not? Yeah. And you know uh, a lot about nine millimeters. I don't know as much as you think I do. Well, surprises. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to look like we got in, no. It's, you know, it's intelligent. Guests. It's the caliber that I cut my teeth on. So tonight you're the expert. <laughs> well, that's well. Your ratings are going to go down because of that. So <laughs> uh, we'll hold you directly responsible. I appreciate that. <laughs> Outside of getting my first Glock 19 this week, we uh, launched our first letter campaign. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It's actually going to be part of my facts to fight the myth. But if you go to YouTube, we actually have our first YouTube video. Up. We cut our teeth on that. We did a lot so. of firsts this week, didn't we? We did do a lot of firsts this week. First Glock 19, first YouTube video. First, first letter campaign. Two hours of filming to get a seven-minute video. <clears throat> wow. Your first Glock 19, that's about the worst possible gun you could have bought. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, this is my first gun. It's well, well, first it's, Glock 19. But it's his first Glock. Your first Glock. Uh, well, that's that's the worst possible Glock you could have bought. And we're why? just going to talk about because you'll buy more of them. Oh, gotcha. I had six of them a few years ago. Six? Yeah. I'm wow. down to three. Yeah. 
It is an addictive gun. Yes, it is. I like so it. It's, I went uh, shot. It was like, oh, yeah. it's nice. Yeah. No, but it's, seriously, it's a great choice for target and for carry uh, as well. So, Very But cool. just so you know, it's worse that you're going to spend should have more one money of each. on it. What's that? Every man should have one of each of the Glock. One of each? Yeah. I don't have one of each. No, I do know someone who does. I believe I'm he getting has there. all of them. Are you? Yeah. That's good. Close. Yeah. I know somebody who doesn't and swears he never will, and he'd like to have one of every H&K. Is he in this room? No, he's not in this room. Okay. But he will be mentioned later. You know who you are, Blinkster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He is a, he is an H&K fan. Yeah. He waves the flag, doesn't he? Yes, he does. H&K. Left hand, what'd you do this week as far as guns go? Um, Let me think. We're at the end of the week, so... Yeah, this past weekend, I went out and uh, did a little scenario training, my brother-in-law, with this new thing that we're trying to start up, uh, using the airsoft pistols, ran through some different type scenarios that we're going to be looking into, and again, that's still kind of in the works, and I'll talk more about that at a later date. Took the Troy 5.56 out, carbine, shot it, solid gun, for those who haven't uh, seen any reviews on it yet. I'll do a more in-depth detail that as I shoot it some more. I've only put about 100 rounds through it, so I hadn't shot it a whole bunch yet. That's the one that the unmentionable store was selling exclusive. Oh, they're going to get mentioned tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so More to come. But it's a very sweet gun. Troy is an excellent company, and their, their products are excellent, and I hope they get into more of the carbines. So I'm looking forward to, to them developing more of those. Shot the Sub-2000, uh, sub the 40 cal. Took it out also. Did a time. little run through it. Well, no, that's the one I've, I've been shooting. I haven't shot the 9 yet. I haven't got it back yet. I've got it at the, the armory. They're still, they've got it threading the barrel for me. Got no, uh, I'm supposed to be getting that back tomorrow. Hopefully I can do a review on that. What else did I do this week? Uh, obviously, after I shot, I did some cleaning, so spent some time getting to know those guns a little bit better inside and out. And I tell you what, if you guys have never broken down a Sub-2000, Kel-Tec Sub-2000, it's a pain in the butt. I mean, it ta- normally, I mean, like you take a Glock, how long does it take you to clean a Glock? A couple minutes. A couple minutes? Yeah. What about an AR? How long does it take you? Maybe. I try to take my time with that. I can do it in 10 to 15, yeah, like which 10 is to 15 minutes. slow for a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, I like to take my time with that. 45 minutes, I'd say? Yeah. On the... Uh, on the sub 2k just getting it broke down and then cleaning it and then putting it back together so another 25 minutes or so so it's kind of gun you pack a lunch when you're going to clean it (laughs) yeah exactly that's one you definitely want to look at the manual before you get in there if you've never broken it down before it's a little different a little tricky so yeah so that's what i did this week very cool 10 outdoors what'd you do with guns this week i'm sure a lot no not really really. i may have to break this down by caliber um Forty. I bought a Glock 23 Gen 4 about a month ago, and I really haven't done that much with it. It's my first Gen 4, and I uh, did a lot of full metal jacket plate shooting, speed drills with that. Uh, not doing, not trying to do quick mag, just trying to be, just trying to be on target. Uh, did that. Then I converted. Then I've dropped in my Glock 32 barrel for 357 Sig, and that works very well in the Gen 4 Glocks. So there's no problem with the Gen 3 barrels going to Gen 4. Going to Gen 4? What's cool. that? I said I, there's no problem with that conversion. There. No, That's not cool. at all. I mean, in fact, if you order an aftermarket barrel from someone uh, for your Gen 4, it, uh, there's no specification as to which generation Glock it came from. They're all the same. So that works well. The Gen 3 is working well. I put about 200 rounds through that, another 100 rounds of 357 Sig full metal jacket. I'm trying to remember what else I've done. Uh, did a little bit of crow hunting over the weekend in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, very informal, as in looking out the window, seeing crows, and, and taking the Mossberg and letting them have it. A little pest control. Oh, uh, yeah, you could call it that. <laughs> so some things along that line. And uh, I know there's some other things, but Monday, 
uh, put up a video of the XDS, uh, XDS 45 ACP 3.3. In fact, yeah, I got that out last weekend. That's something else I bought last month and it just really had had time to put it to work. So, I, you know, where can you find 45 full metal jackets? So I actually found some out of state in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and uh, wow. uh, brought it down and did some things there. So I guess three calibers this week. And I know there's something else that's just not coming to mind right now. Plus my crow hunting with the 12 gauge. I just happened to be in Walmart yesterday at about five o'clock, and they got a truck in, and they were unloading the ammo, and uh, I got some nine mil. They limited you to like three boxes. I was wondering about per that. person per day. I think that that really varies. I think Academy Sports, for example, here in Nashville, they limit you to one box per caliber, and that would be either Full Metal Jacket or. Uh, some hollow points. If I'm not mistaken, Bass Pro here in Nashville, it, it was 10 boxes. Really? I think so. That was about three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. They must be getting a little more volume in than other places. Well, there's some stores. Uh, I was um, in Georgia last week and on business, and I tried to get in some of the stores, and you see ammo in some places and some and not. But there's actually more ammo south of Tennessee than there is in Tennessee, for what I'm seeing. So wow. hopefully people get out and do some more shooting. If it, they can find the ammo. Right. And Bruce, did you do anything with guns this week? I mean, you're a police officer, so I'm sure you at least got touched it every me, day. But, uh, we did a felony stop one night and then uh, served a search warrant, narcotics arrest warrant earlier this week. Uh, oh, that's wow. Fortunately, I mean, we never had to pull a trigger or anything, but I hope we never have to. But we, uh, other than that, I haven't done any shooting this week. I think he officially wins the award for coolest week in guns. <laughs> yeah, that is me. Did you do anything voluntary with guns? <laughs> uh, not a gun. I did shoot a bow with my daughter this week a little bit. We got her a nice little bow for Christmas. She's nice. really gotten involved in the. How old is she? She's eight. Eight years old? Yeah, She's she shooting a bow, it. huh? Yeah, she, nice. Well, it all came from that movie Brave. She saw it. That was the oh, coolest yeah. little thing in the world. So I know there's a lot of little girls getting bows this year at Christmas. So. She pretty accurate with it? She good? She's getting better. The hard thing is, is it's a uh, little compound bow, and I've got it restricted as low as the pull tension can be, but it's still a little strong for her. So yeah. she's getting better. Well, she does it. Those muscles will. She's strong already, in. but just not quite enough to get that shoulder for the pull on it. But she. Hey, we have a good time with it, and yeah. she understands the, the the safety factors involved too. And speaking of your family, we do have to give your wonderful wife Ace Ace Codename yeah, Ace yeah, Ace yeah. a shout out. Uh, she is the definitely better part of this half union. She, she here, let so. us uh, rent you for the night. So no. wait, that just sounds weird. <laughs> she let That's you come. You said that I did not. Oh, uh, speaking of code names for our significant others, uh, Pepper that was mm-hmm. on our show. All right. My significant other. We talked about the Valentine's gift. Mm-hmm. I got her her Valentine's. It came in her uh, Smith and Wesson bodyguard, three eighty. Nice. She shot it yet? Not yet. Dunk. I can't find any ammo. <laughs> I can't find any three eighty. So ammo. you bought her a nice, really expensive hammer. Yeah. Well, it's it's art right now. I may yeah. sell you some. Oh, you got some? Yeah. There okay. You go. Yeah. Good deal. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about this, Bruce, because um, it's law enforcement related. I wanted to know if you had seen any of the targets that are real controversial that have come out that have been sold here lately. Have you heard of the like the uh, never hesitate card targets that have been out? No, recently? I have not. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen them or heard about them. I have. Yeah. There are targets that have come out that they're selling. Uh, Department of Homeland Security has bought a bunch of them, and it, that's that's what set this whole thing off. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories to that that we won't touch on, but just the targets themselves are kind of disturbing. And I understand that yeah, there needs to be times where 
I mean, not needs to be, but there may be times where these target situations may happen. But the targets are well, let's face children. It, they will. They will happen. They have happened in the, the past. But the targets are like of little kids with guns pointing them at you, pregnant women, uh, mothers with their kids at a teenagers. playground, teenagers, older citizens, old, yeah, senior older citizens. citizens with shotguns, stuff like that. And I was just wanting to get a law enforcement perspective on those targets. Is it something that, I mean, I understand the, the theory behind them, but is it something that you feel really needs to be put out there? Or? Uh, absolutely. I know I'm probably going to get a few people upset with me, but unfortunately it, it's a, uh, you do. Um, and the reason being is we had probably the most accurate shooters during World War II. Um, we had probably the best campaigns. These men have been trained very well on how to handle M1 Garand, whatever other weapon systems they were using. But what we started seeing, let me get a lot of my information comes. I don't know if y'all ever heard of uh, Colonel Dave Grossman. He's written a book called On Killing and On Combat. It is something that it's basically the Bible of law enforcement. If you want to take law enforcement seriously and in, in, in the, the depths of uh, what it takes to actually be involved in possibly taking a life and the psychological effects it has on the people involved. Well, the study showed that, and, and forgive me, I'm not a master of the topic, but World War II had great accuracy. But however, a lot of people were not actually aiming at the target because what they were, they were in a combat battlefield and under sympathetic nervous system, your stress is up, your heart rate's kicking up to a high rate. You get things like tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, and when they're ready to make the fire, it's not a round, circled target that's coming after them to kill them. It's actually a real human being, and they had not really trained themselves psychologically. It's, it's a whole different world when you're sitting on a firing range and you're shooting down range and you're hitting a specific target that's not moving and trying to kill you. Um, so Vietnam, we learned a lot better. Uh, we started using, actually, the silhouette started coming into play, which looked more human, um, helped in... The bad part that happened during Vietnam, we also came in with a fully automatic M16, so there was a lot of just spraying into a general area. Most of law enforcement you'll come across, most um, that do reality-based training, I know you talked about using the airsoft earlier, and of course we got some munitions we try to use. We on our team and most, most SWAT teams and most law enforcement agencies have moved over to actually doing using, using real human-faced targets. Because it's not a circular silhouette that's coming after you. It's it's it is actually, and sadly, we have to say we've got men and women over you know fighting for this country right now overseas that are being killed by children and being killed by you know it's unfortunately it's a, it's a fact when it comes to radical Islam, however you want to politically definition you want to put on it, they are using women, they are using children, and so it. If you have not gotten your mind prepared that it could be a pregnant woman, it could be the 67-year-old lady that looks innocent as could be. Mm-hmm. And and I know I'm bringing it from a law enforcement perspective um, because we have to prepare ourselves that it could be anybody with a gun is potentially able to kill us. Absolutely. I agree yeah. with that. It's, it's something in the training that, I mean, like you said, it is a sad fact, but if you're not prepared to do that, that split second of hesitation, which these targets are called no hesitation targets. What to think? If they can't bring themselves to shoot the targets, then they're not going to be able, in a real world scenario, be able to. Their lives are on the line, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what they're there for is, to, is you know, is to come out of their life uh, through an imminent threat. And if the imminent threat happens to be a pregnant lady, you know, which I'm sure that happens day in and day out. Uh, unfortunately, but uh, if they can't shoot the target, the paper target, they're not going to be able to. Seriously, seriously, man, 
So we touched, really? touched on those. Um, What's your opinion yeah. on those targets? I haven't seen them. I haven't heard of them. But I think uh, I, I'll agree with you that I think it's really a necessary step. Uh, if the feedback from the field is that uh, we hesitated, if, if a SWAT member hesitated because of that psychological, as much training as they had had, even if they had military background, which I know a lot of guys do, and even with that, they could have had military training, but they had never really had to fire a shot at someone based on what position they had. This could have been a support group or something else. I understand that. I think it's a necessary step. I mean, it really can't go any further than that, obviously. But uh, and it, and I, it, you know, it takes some time to see, you know, after you get into scenarios, someone who had exposure and training with those types of targets was, when you get the feedback after the incident, are you seeing an improvement in hesitation or are you seeing less hesitation and as far as the person who had to take the shot what is their what is their psych what is their mindset are you seeing healthier people it's kind of weird to say that but are your SWAT team guys coming out with I don't know it's kind of hard to, to say how do you define that experience without actually being mm-hmm. and there I, and, I and think planning for it one of the arguments against it is that it desensitizes uh, the law enforcement or military individual the civilian population I guess is what one of the the arguments is against using those type targets I disagree with that it prepares them for that scenario a lot of the people that are coming out saying it's a big conspiracy theory saying law enforcement and military are going to be prepared to take on pregnant women and children and take them all out because this is the end of the world and the beginning of a police state. I mean, we've got a law enforcement officer here. I got a pretty strong feeling that if somebody ordered him to walk into my house when I haven't done anything and take out me and my kids and my wife, he's not going to do that. Uh, And that's kind of where a lot of the conspiracy theories are going with it. This is more of exactly like you said. It's preparation for those types of scenarios to where if it does happen, Lord willing, it never does happen, but if it does, you're prepared for it. Well, this isn't something new, unfortunately, because of the events that happened recently at Sandy Hook. This has been the hot topic across the nation right now. Everybody has Mm -hmm. their own opinion on how we can solve this problem. Um, I'm not going to try to get into the whole political arguments of it, but... I, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for 18 years. I can remember my first two or three years of doing this. We were shooting at, you know, actual images of people now. And, and it's shot discrimination. It's like you said, we're not going to walk into Zeke's home and start opening fire on an innocent yeah. family. Right. It's, there, there's a lot of discipline that goes into play with it. Some of these targets you'll have, you can change the hands on them. You can have where the, the same target may have someone holding a badge or a beer can, or you have the woman who's holding in her right hand. She's got the baby, and one time she might be holding a gun in the picture. Another time she's holding a bottle to feed her baby. Mm-hmm. What is training law enforcement to do is not just look at they come into a room or or it's on a traffic stop. They're just looking at some. They're looking for the entire image. Mm-hmm. Okay, is there a weapon? Is there a threat to my safety or someone else's safety? And so it, you won't go through series where they're shooting all children targets with guns or all elderly women with guns. It changes, so you have to recognize the entire target before you respond to it. So the fact of the matter is, these targets aren't something new. No, they have been around all. years and years. Now, the, probably decades. 
as far as real human images and, and targets, right. yes. Now, right. so I have not seen the children of the older. Now, we've, we've done, we've had elderly people um, in those shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the children is what's so disturbing for everybody. And again, I haven't seen these targets, but because um, the, 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 the murderer, Sandy Hook, I'll never mention his name. His name does, never, does not deserve to be mentioned. Yeah. Amen. Um, he chose to take out the most innocent creatures and, and that's what affects us as, as Americans and humans. You harm our children, that really cuts to the core of what we're built upon. And I think, I'm not always going to agree with what Homeland Security does, but I, I do not have a problem as long as they have the discipline and the training and training is conducted properly because sad fact of the matter, you had two children at Columbine. Um, you had at Pearl, Mississippi. It was a child there. So we have to train ourselves that children, unfortunately, can be trained to kill just as much as a human as an adult can be. This is kind of the last political statement we'll make t- tonight, but uh, reassure our listeners that may be scared. If somebody came to your police department, and I'm, I don't know if y'all talked about it, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, and said, okay, we're going to go door to door and confiscate all the guns. Do you honestly think that anybody in our military, our police, is going to go to their possible neighbors and grandma and uncle and take their guns away? No. I, when when they came across with this this whole confiscation of weapons, and I, I do know several officers, and, I, and I've had the same opinion that I joined up to, to uphold the Constitution of the United States. I'm not going to take your rights away. For me, you know, I don't want to live in a police state where myself and other law enforcement officers are the only ones carrying weapons. It, uh, we saw the results of that, you know, during the um, Germans with Hitler, Nazi Germany. No, do not worry. Surprisingly enough, the vast majority of law enforcement officers same the exact same share the same opinions of legal law-abiding gun owners that we're very supportive of the Second Amendment, and it's it's. It, Unfortunately, we're going to be placed in in the position because we are everybody's anti-government right now because we have a the government has been somewhat egregious on how it's been kind of uh, attacking our our basic liberties. Just because the people in Washington are making some decisions we don't agree with, it doesn't mean that every law enforcement officer is going to agree with them and, and carry out those decisions. Now, are you going to have that one that is drinking the Kool Aid and believes completely what they say? Of course, but you don't have that in any line of work you go to. It's a difficult. It's a difficult line to walk because you, do, like you said, we do have we have the authority of whatever agency we're working for, and we are. They may have laws we disagree with, but as far as officers that they will, if a law such that came down of going doing confiscation of weapons, there would be massive, I guess, um, resistance as far as law enforcement officers to, to actually go. Well, I think in the military too. That. The military, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 going to be very difficult for them to get. The ones who are really wanting to to push and take the weapons away from the sense can be very difficult for them to do that. Um, it, we are a nation that, that, that truly does believe in our Second Amendment rights, and it's going to be hard to give that up. And not just our Second Amendment, but the whole Constitution. The whole Constitution. They all are intertwined, interact with one another. And speaking of the people that want to take that away, we'll go into the jack wagon train. Last week, we, the jack wagon we, train. We launched the jack wagon train. We announce a jack wagoneer every week, and last week we announced the jack wagoneer extraordinaire, Diane Feinstein. She's she's one of those that we doesn't deserve to say her name either. So yeah. I don't care if we say her name again. Well, if we call her the jack wagoneer extraordinaire, <laughs> then say her name. Well, this week we have the jack wagoneer of the week. It's a whole organization. 
of Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> we swore we'd never say their name on the show again, but we're going to go ahead and say it tonight. So I'm not current with Dick's Sporting Goods. What happened this week? Well, it's not necessarily this week. It's just their whole um, uh, stance that they've taken on the, the Sandy Hook incident is, is when that happened, they pulled their five five six, their AR style weapons uh, and whatnot. So right. Okay. Yeah. They I don't. They didn't have handguns anyway, but they had, they had pulled anything with any semblance other than their airsoft guns. So I don't know why they didn't do that too. If they were going to pull you know, their scary looking guns off their shelves, they might as well pull their airsoft. You know, what's the point if you're going to make a stance go all the way? So yeah. they're they're jack wagoneers. You know, you know, dicks, sporting goods, <laughs> dicks, sporting goods. <laughs> okay, so I was aware of that. I didn't know if something else had happened. <clears throat> no, nothing since then. I mean, but that's just that's enough. Do they need to do anything else? I understand. <laughs> so what you're saying is anything that they term as a military-style weapon, they've stopped selling the actual weapon. Mm -hmm. But they're still selling the Any? airsoft weapons, which look accurately exactly. replica-sized weight, feel, look just like the weapon, other than the orange tip, which can be painted over, is right. what you're saying. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense, then. Yeah. Total logic. And I think they're 22s. They still sold those. The, the AR-style ones? Yeah. I think they did that, too. Or that might have been Academy that did that. They had, Academy had pulled... They're a the ARs. They're selling them again, though. But they're are they selling them again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they didn't pull them, or did they pull them? Uh, they may have just sold out. I don't think they ever because I thought them. Walmart had had pulled theirs in stock, but they haven't. Walmart still sells them too. So they're just hard to get. There's people waiting there at seven o'clock in the morning when the truck comes in to to get them. Well, it got to the point where you couldn't get anybody to wait on you back there in the lodge area. Yeah. So whatever, it's no loss at, for me at Dick's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can never find can't. anybody to help you. You still can't. It's ridiculous. No, they the got nothing the, to do. The ammo's on the other side of the counter, but I can go to Academy or somewhere else and get the ammo right there on the shelf. So, you know, they got different corporate policies. Of course, yeah. Walmart locks theirs up, but it's interesting to see that. That's a whole other discussion. So Yeah. Well, I've noticed between the Walmart and the Academy and the Dick, not Dick's, uh, yeah, Dick's, as far as ammo goes, Dick's doesn't seem to be getting anything in at all. Walmart gets a somewhat consistent but small amount in academy seems to have a pretty good stock of different calibers now again the nine millimeters and the 45s and the 40s and the 22s are hard to get you can't find 22s anywhere right now actually the walmart had some today they? yeah they had some uh, 22 long uh magnums i think they were magnums no, they were just 22 longs. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. They're hard to get right now. Our usual interview questions that we ask, three questions we ask everybody that comes in. How did you get into firearms? Start with you, Bruce. <clears throat> my father, actually, I think I was eight years old, and he gave me my, uh, of course, being a kid, and obviously I guess my desire for law enforcement started even younger. Remember the, the, the old Roy Rogers movies and the lever action Winchester was something I just dreamed of as a kid. So when I was eight, he bought me a 22 lever action Winchester, and I still have it to this day. And cool. he carried me over to an old abandoned rock quarry, and we did practice, you know, targets on bottles and cans. And then I think when I was about 14, he got me a 30-30 lever action Winchester, and I just that's where it began. He, you remember what your first pistol was? It was actually it was a Beretta Cougar. I believe it was. You don't see too many of those anymore. I think it was a thirty-two caliber. Say cougar? Cougar. Yeah. Oh, cougar. We're talking cougar. about a gun. Handgun. Yeah. Handgun. Yeah. Handgun. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You're it was either the cougar or the puma. I can't remember which one. It was the one was a twenty-two and one was a thirty-two. And I think the cougar is the thirty-two. Yeah. We'll sing. Cougar action. is a woman over thirty-two, isn't it? Probably forty. <laughs> forty. <laughs> no, you don't have to bite your tongue here. Okay. Ten outdoors. How'd you get into? Uh, Firearms. I always had an interest in firearms, and it started by reading about Alvin C. York. 
Tennessee hero. So I I have to go back to that. And just fascinated with his life and his accomplishments. I didn't actually buy my first gun until I was almost 30 years old. I was in my late 20s. And I've got to mention his name briefly. Um, I worked with Hickok 45. He was my boss. We worked for a company in Nashville. So this was about 26, 27 years ago. 28 years ago, I guess. Almost 30 years. And so I've known him for about a third of his life. So anyway. (laughs) You know he listens to the show. I know he does. That's why I said that. So uh, I didn't own any guns at the time. My dad had a, my dad does have a little 22 short high standard, which uh, 22 Plinkster is getting that repaired for me now. So I'll be showing that on YouTube at some point. Nice. But in any event, uh, so anyway, Hickok had me up to his house about every week. And this is before John was born. So it goes back a ways. And I was making it about every week. He said, come on up, we'll shoot. I didn't own anything. He just let me shoot his ammo, would feed me, grill something. He's like, is this guy weird or what? So anyway, <laughs> so anyway this went on for a few years. Real and reason. and <laughs> finally, before I got married, uh, I knew that was the time to start buying guns. So I did. Smith & Wesson 686, 357 Magnum, 6-inch barrel, and then a Ruger Mini 14, one of the older Ruger Mini 14s. Still on a, my bucket list. Yeah, and a, and a Ruger Mark II, and I no longer own any of those. Those are long gone. Really? Oh. In fact, I traded some of those off a few years afterwards when I got married. And then my first semi-automatic handgun, I can't think of the name of the manufacturer, and actually it was, some, it was one that Hickok owned. He sold it to a dealer that I went in a few days later and bought it. And it was uh, some type of mock-up of a um, of a Browning high power, and I can't think of the name of the manufacturer. Hmm. So that was it, and it kind of t- didn't really do anything after that. Uh, I didn't have anywhere to shoot, which is what a lot of people have a problem now. There's nowhere to go shoot. So, uh, so but then my parents had some land, and I started going down there and just shooting at 100 yards or so in the woods, and that was it. And then took a break from it for about 10 or 15 years, and now back into it very seriously. Any- particular reason why you took a break basically working uh, working and traveling a lot life. And, and building a family yeah life kind of came in and of course i still kept up with it was interested and would hook up with hickok uh, i had a, i think i went out and bought a glock 22 and a kind of a, a cheap shotgun and that was it and, but it's really for me getting into guns is is only happened in about the last six or seven years it's really snowballed that's the kind of way it has for me the last really last four or five years for me it's pretty intense it is yeah so no military law enforcement experience? I don't have any military, don't have any law enforcement experience, no. And uh, kind of stupid to ask you the same question, Bruce. <laughs> no military, but... Yeah. We do have the law enforcement experience. We have a little experience. law enforcement experience. You know, I got a question for you, uh-huh. and this is going to help with our listeners. Um, proper way for people with their handgun carry permit to interact with an officer if they get pulled over. It's a good question. Yeah. I, I've heard two different theories of thought. I've had a lot of people, when I have pulled them over, they present me their license and their carry permit ID. To me, it really doesn't matter. Uh, from the time I initiate a traffic stop to the time it's over, I treat everybody as if they possibly have a weapon and they might be intending on killing me. I will say this. Once I've come across somebody who presents they have a valid carry ID, I let out kind of almost a little sigh of relief because it's not – the Nobody's going to go through the time of taking the class, paying the fees, going through the training to get a carry permit, and then go out there and lose it all to to, to shoot an officer. Mm-hmm. Okay, now are those strange situations occasionally you're going to come across? But yeah, you've got officers out. You know, you had that idiot out there in California recently mm-hmm. that you know he he slandered the face of law enforcement with his actions. But um. No, most law enforcement officers, including myself, when we when we see we've got a valid carry permit holder, we say, "Hey, we've got somebody that's paying attention to the law, and they're they're 
they're probably not something we need to worry too much about. So we'll still stay on guard. But mm-hmm. do you ask them to present it? No. Now that is something I, that I remember when Tennessee first started getting the carry permits, and I backed up another officer on a traffic stop, and and when I, I pull up, the, you know, the person showed him his ID, and he asked if he could get the weapon out, and and so the 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 the, the person was pulled over, told him where the weapon was, also retrieved it, unloaded it. Ran it for a, a warrant, make sure it's a wanted check on the gun, see if it was stolen. And I didn't want to interfere in the traffic stop, but after a stop, I, you know, once the, the, the citizen had drove away, he let the citizen drive away with the gun basically unloaded. He said, you know, get back in your car and reload and get it. And this was a fairly young new officer at the time. And I asked him after we're, we're off to the side, I was like, why did you do that? He said, well, there was a weapon in the car. I'm like, uh, I understand that, but. You need to understand that that is not the person we generally need to worry about. That is a law-abiding citizen who has taken the legal steps to to become legally allowed to carry a weapon. They're not the one that in, made us look bad by going out there and unloading their weapon when they haven't really they haven't done any crime. They a traffic offense maybe, mm-hmm. but no no crime there. You know, I usually tell when somebody says that here, thank you for letting me know. If you would just keep your hands on your steering wheel while I can you know conduct our business things yeah. like that. The, the few times that I have been pulled over, uh, <laughs> I always <laughs> present my carry permit, and just like you said, they always you know thank you. I appreciate you for you know letting me know that. Could you, you know, let me know where the weapon is at this point? You know, where is it? Right. And I always say, you know, it's on my ankle, it's on my hip, it's, you know, it's on my console, where it is. And they say, thank you. If you would, just keep your hands on the steering wheel and, you know, they continue on. And that, that's been the end of it. Right. Yeah. So. It kind of, kind of brings up a couple of good – you could take two tangents to this. One, I think people need to be aware of what the law is in their state. Absolutely. Because some states require that if you are pulled over by law enforcement that, and if you do have a carry permit, you're required by law in that state to inform the officer of that. Uh, The other part of that is, and I just lost my train of thought, but the other part of that is uh, I've pretty much got a prepared statement. And and as I travel through different states on vacation and so forth, I really try to be aware of what the laws are in that state. In the event I am pulled over, which I haven't had a speeding ticket in 25 years, 20, 20 years. So uh, and I've been caught running moonshine, but other than that, but um, it, was <laughs> it didn't over, count. It was over in DeKalb County. Isn't that anyway, isn't that legal um, in DeKalb? That's right. <laughs> I, I think it's good that I, I feel like that I owe that officer the courtesy, whether or not it's required. And like you said, you 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 had a sigh of relief that the that the person had uh, been cognizant enough to do that. Even if, and the way I feel about it, and it's just my personal opinion, if the law does not require it where I where I'm at am at that point, I still feel a responsibility to that law enforcement officer to maybe depress or suppress, not suppress, but kind of you know let the air out of the situation. De-escalate. And like you said, you just could, yeah, exactly, and you just confirm that's exactly what happened. So it's great to hear that feedback because I have a somewhat prepared statement. You know, I have my, you know, my my hand. You show your hands. My hands. Some you know some officers say put your hands on the steering wheel. I will put my hands kind of hanging out the window with my ID. And uh, again, this I'm not pulled over, but this is my prepared. I think that's a good thing to have is that preparation and kind of a plan. And I plan to tell the officer you know whether or not it's required as a courtesy to you. I am letting you know that I am a permit carrier and there is a handgun and tell them where it is. If it's on my person, where it is on my person, whether or not it has a chambered round, or if it's in my glove compartment, if it's beside me in the seat, 
I, and it may not be required by law. And some people say, you know, you're giving up some rights. You don't have to. I understand that. I think, but as a courtesy to the officer in that situation, as you said, de-escalate, that's but, my plan. But at the same time, it's your right to tell him to. It is. Right, exactly. And yeah. so I, I have no problem with that. Sure. Absolutely. It is a personal choice. And if the officer is doing his job how he should be throughout the entire traffic stop, if you haven't told him, he should expect that you have a weapon in the car just because – any incident law enforcement comes involved in, there's always one weapon involved, whether the person has one or the officer always has a gun on him. And right. we've had officers who have had, you know, been overpowered and weapons have been taken away from them. So it, the, the best advice I give anybody, whether you want to announce that you have a carry permit or you want to announce you have a weapon in the car, mm-hmm. always just understand, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, put your hands on the steering wheel officer approaches and things like that. It just lets him know that you have an understanding that, his safety, your safety, things like, you know, it's but the at hands the, that... At the same time, can't you guys, once you pull somebody over and you get their license and you go run, it can't, doesn't their permit come up whether they have a permit or not? Yes. Now, if we run one here in this state and say if you're from another state... Right, we're talking state-specific state here, specific, too. State-specific, it'll come up whether you have a Out valid, of Tennessee listeners. Whether it's been canceled or anything like that, revoked. But I, yeah. to this day, I've not come across anyone who has had a revoked carry permit when I've done a DL check on them. Now I've come with it, you know, it has been expired or something like that. But it's most carry permit. Don't don't worry about law enforcement. We're we're quite relieved to know we've got a carry permit holder out there. Well, here's another point, and again, it goes off into another tangent. But and I'm sure you've had training on it. And that is if you have a carry permit and it's not on your person, but it's in your glove compartment. And so you say so you have your hands on the steering wheel and the officer comes up and you've already got your license out, but you didn't have time to get your registration out. I personally feel that if you have a handgun and it's in the glove compartment where you're trying to get your registration, you want to pop that. You don't want to no, pop that. No, no absolutely not. And no. the officer sees a gun because then no. if you have it to any extent de-escalated, you just took it to DEFCON 5. Yeah. So that gun shifted it, as you opened that and it fell out. Exactly. Or, you know, chambered Wasn't around there a story not? about that here recently that that happened to, I a, think so. yeah. to a, a teenage girl? It was, she was in her dad's car or something like that. Yes. And she didn't know there was a gun in the in the glove box, and she reached over to get the insurance or something right. like that. Right, and so, I mean, and that's, it fell out, and he shot her. Yeah, the officer the officer's going to guns. Yeah. I mean, that's if, if, they don't, if they don't draw, it's there. You know, it just depends. And if they're in a rural situation out in the middle of nowhere, the officer may be more inclined to draw and have a weapon presented. I mean, again, yeah. that comes back to training, and I'm not be a little more high. That's just how the yeah. way I think. Every, you know, this everybody's going to default to the level of training. That's, you know, that's whether it's a law enforcement officer or a civilian. It, you know, that whole term of rose to the occasion. We all kind of go back to what we've been trying to do. So, bottom line, it's just better to go ahead and announce it. You can't go wrong. Right. My permit got me well, out of a ticket yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I no. told you about that. I will tell you, if somebody shows me a carry permit, the high likelihood that I'm going to have a nice yeah. day. Well, That's I, did, I didn't want to say anything on mine, but, yeah, the times that I did that, it was yeah. just well, – We kind of look at you're, nice one, you're on our side, so have a nice day. Yeah. Somebody pulled me over for turning right on red when it said no right on red, and uh, I, I reverted back to everything I was taught. You know, don't say the word gun. Say you have a loaded firearm. Present your license with your carry permit. And as I said that, I said I have a loaded firearm. It's at 4 o'clock, and I have another one inside the console. And she kind of looked back for a second, and she goes, thanks for telling me. Then she came back and went back, ran everything, came back. She goes, look, you handed me this and doing everything you were supposed to. That tells me right there you're a law-abiding citizen. Just be careful next time. Let yeah, me go. right. I was like, wow. 
cool. Exactly. It shows responsibility. Plus, plus, when you see that person with that handgun carry permit, they've gone through a pretty extensive background check, so you know they're a decent person for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Or a bad person that's never done anything bad. Right. Or never been caught. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other questions we have is we talk about pop culture, guns involved in pop culture. Name one either movie, your favorite TV show, or music involved with firearms. For me, I think one that the bad part about becoming a law enforcement officer was all the movies I grew up loving, they've been totally destroyed. (laughs) I I loved Lethal Weapon, thought it was one of the greatest movies ever made until I got into police work, and I've never seen so many fallacies. Oh, it was crazy. And, uh, you know, Die Hard, the whole Bruce Willis, that was the reason I went and bought my 92 Beretta was because, (laughs) you know, it's... And but you'll notice that pop culture has a significant influence on what guns people are buying. I mean, you'll go yeah, back definitely. there to when Clint Eastwood had that Desert Eagle. I don't know which was a sudden impact or something like that. All of a sudden, they were selling Desert Eagles left and right. Yeah. Lethal Weapon and uh, yeah. Beretta ninety two. Yeah, those Lethal two Weapon. movies did more for the Beretta ninety two than anything. It yeah. did. And and, the, and Lethal Weapon hit about the time that the nine and the semi automatic was was becoming common with yes. law enforcement. They were replacing their revolvers with the 9mm yep. Beretta. You know, it might have been the Glock or the SIG or something else, but that Beretta was so glamorized. And that it probably it seems like to me more so in the first one than it was any of the other It's a sequels. pretty gun, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, a real It's a sexy weapon, gun. So it's, uh, so it's... That's another one on my bucket list. Is to, what about you, 10? Well, actually, oh, you, right. you, you hit one of my movies, uh, The Lethal Weapon, and this was back, you know, it was on VHS. So we're sitting down and watching it repeatedly. And I guess you could say you might be a redneck or a gun enthusiast if you're sitting there watching a movie like that and you're holding the guns while you're watching a movie. <laughs> I mean, it's, no one's ever done that, right? Oh, so no. So you're watching, you're watching oh, no. you know, World War II movies or Lethal Weapon or, uh, you know, Full Metal Jacket, and you're sitting there holding an M1A while you're watching a movie. Of course, I've never done that. But uh, no, you haven't either. So I'm you do it unloaded, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. So absolutely. So you're saying I'm normal that this past episode of Justified, when I bought my well, Glock 19, I was holding my Glock 19 uh, watching Justified? That's the next one for me. Right now, if you were to say, what is a, the, a current show? And it is absolutely Justified. I cannot get enough of that show. show. It's a good I show. I can't get enough. Of the gun action, I can't get enough of the humor, the sarcasm, the plot lines. It is probably about the most perfect show I've ever seen. Plus, well we live said. in the same kind of it, well, Yeah, you know, we're <laughs> just a few hundred miles from where the show was portrayed. Actually, I went to Harlan County two summers ago. And it's, is it really? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty wow. place. It is. Let me say one thing about the movies. If any of your listeners, including yourselves, if y'all see that movie End of Watch, Please disregard everything associated with law enforcement. Oh, yeah, with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, it's just atrocious. I think I've yeah, seen that. That was pretty bad. It, it makes law enforcement look like a bunch of hotheads that have yeah. no control over their well, discipline. A lot of them do that. It, you know? We do not get There's not a lot of movies out the there. The maker really, of that movie was also the maker of Training Day, which did the same thing. It did the same. That's the one I was yeah. trying to think of. That's the one that had Denzel. Same uh, maker. Denzel. Same made the same movie, yep. Yeah. yeah. It is not a reflection of the patrol officers across this nation. It, yeah. It's just some other Hollywood you know, glamorization is all. That's it amazing. Is. I can't imagine Hollywood putting. I can't imagine Hollywood putting out anything that would be a misrepresentation. No, uh, it's, you're right. But the thing that family. scares me is that's what <laughs> the majority of people they see something like that, and that's what they think that they, they think really law think enforcement that. are like that. Yeah. yeah, ten outdoors nine. You're kind of our expert that we had pulled in for the nine millimeter talk on our ninth episode. Before we get into that, I have a few questions. We we threw out a uh, question on Facebook. Any questions for 
10 Outdoors 9, we get a few back. We get some odd ones, really, really odd ones. <laughs> could be worse some, than what I'm getting in private messages. We got some legitimate ones. Uh, we'll start with an odd one. Um, this guy said, who do you prefer to listen to more, Loretta Lynn or Lori Morgan? And that was from a guy named 22 Langster. <laughs> 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 wow! I'm assuming that's. I don't know why joke. I didn't put that together. I don't know why I didn't now, put is that he, together. That is, is he stating it in like today's terms or the young Lori Morgan? Or, it's irrelevant. Trust me. Okay, it's, it's irrelevant. Inside joke. I don't know why I didn't put that together. So he's, that's, he's he's gonna be laughing. Um, we got flambasted about doing inside jokes. So, you know. Well, it is it is in, at least it's inside for them and not for us. For them, okay. Yeah, we don't even know about it, but yeah. you know they don't get. Let's just out. say it is an inside joke and it's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Up there. Okay. <laughs> uh, Radio we also had a, I can't a, believe it. A, a, legit, a legitimate one. Uh, listener JKL writes, I think I have settled on getting a 357 SIG. In your 357 SIG videos, they were compared as a faster plus P or plus P plus, P plus 9mm. I'm buying it for defense purposes, and I suppose my question for 10 Outdoors 9 is... With 9mm being more scarce at this moment, is a 357 SIG a worthy investment, especially if I buy a 9mm conversion barrel? There's about five questions in that. Um, <laughs> I have my... Dissected how you wish. Mm-hmm. I brought one of my Glock 19s out tonight. I will tell you that's the first time that I've carried the Glock 19 in about seven months. Uh, I started carrying 357 SIG and the Glock 32 mm-hmm. about seven months ago, and it kind of comes back to... Uh, I think you kind of touched on training and so forth a minute ago. I think it's possible, and this is something we can talk about as we get into the 9mm discussion, uh, it is, I think it's very possible, and this is what my goal was. I started out, and I started shooting 9mm about 12, 13 years ago, and I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of rounds I've put through my Glocks. And other than that first little knockoff uh, rounding I had 20-something years ago, it's been the Glock 9mm. So I think you can train up to other calibers. Now, the the person who's asking the question, I think 357 SIG is an excellent choice. And when you compare it to 9mm, a lot of people that are big fans of the 9mm, and I am, will say that, well, you know, when you get a, a plus P plus like the Winchester 127 grain, or you get uh, some of the things that, uh, say, a double tap or an underwood ammo is loading where they're just supercharging these velocities, and you're getting quote-unquote up in the 357 SIG territory. Yes and no, and that's something we can get into as we open this dialogue on the 9. There's really, there's just something magical that happens with a 357 SIG when you get up to 1375 to 1400 feet per second. 125 grain bullet, and you can get 124 grain in 9 millimeter. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to answer that, but I think there's something there there is unique that is beneficial with the 357 Sig. And when you're out shopping right now, uh, I have really stocked up more on 357 Sig ammo in the last three months than I did prior to uh, you know the election in December and all these things because everyone else is not buying it. No, a lot of people don't know anything about the caliber. Tennessee Highway Patrol carries it in a Glock 31. There's a lot of state agencies that carry it. I don't know about so many local agencies, but uh, they see something in the caliber and they see the same thing that I see. So I think it is a good investment. Uh, my conversion is from the Glock 23 to the Glock 32 or the 357 SIG, but I think you can do it with a 9. Uh, I would almost recommend, though, to go to a 40 or 357 SIG frame because I think I know in the Glocks there's a little bit more beef in the slide with the 40s and the 357 SIG Glocks than there is in the 9 millimeter. 
there's just a little bit more weight, and it's somewhere right. in that frame or slide uh, to work with that. And plus, your spring setup needs to be able to handle the higher pressures. Get another odd one. There's a, there's a couple of inside jokes, I think, in these uh, questions. Is this from the same person I, who asked I, the first I question? It's got a different name on it, though. Um, this one says, how long does it take Bigfoot to get into his costume? <laughs> and that's from David C. Here's another, rela- <laughs> here's another related one also. It says, uh, I'm not- <laughs> where is Bigfoot? Where is yeah, ask him where Bigfoot is. Figured he would be out more being winter and all. Also, would the foot ever consider a 1911 for his sidearm? Yeah. Unbelievable. And that's from Trouble Mountain. I don't know if you know that one. Trouble Mountain. So that one's, that's actually a legit question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, the question from this David character, I would say that, what was the question about Bigfoot? How, how long does it take Bigfoot to get into his costume? It depends on, it depends on the temperature and how much Taco Bell he had uh, okay. before <laughs> putting really on the costume. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm really crushed here. That's a costume? That's well, not Bigfoot really is real. So okay. we don't want to, that's a myth we don't want to bust. Okay. I Bigfoot is real. Sure. Yeah, Bigfoot is real. Starting to feel, have the second question from Santa Claus. Bigfoot yeah. lives in Duck River, Tennessee, which is an, on the Natchez Trace Parkway. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, that's where Bigfoot's from. There's he a likes lot beef of jerky. different <clears throat> He likes yeah. beef jerky, too. You've seen the commercial. Exactly. Yeah. There's a little general yeah. store down there in the little town of Duck River, which I believe is on Highway 50 or somewhere. It's near Water Valley in that community. Wow. Uh, down around Natchez Trace. I'm not exactly sure what county. It's either Hickman or Murray County. Yeah, that's I think it's where, Murray County. Okay, that's where that's where Bigfoot is from. So hopefully there's some listeners down there that are aware of that. But Bigfoot Be is around him. Yeah, but, but but he's friendly. He's friendly in the video. Yeah, and it's actually I have a video where Bigfoot is shooting a little bit of Colt 1911. Oh wow! Okay. And some ARs. Gotcha. And some Glocks and some M1s. So. Bigfoot's he a badass. He has to get his finger in those trigger guards. The, well, that's a good question. The problem with the 1911 is the grip safety. And mm-hmm. uh, I will not, and having been there while I was filming Bigfoot doing mm-hmm. this, my perspective, of course, was that Bigfoot did have some problems with the 1911 because of the grip safety in his hands. Mm-hmm. But Bigfoot is very proficient with the Glock 19. And there's some videos proving that. Another legitimate question, uh, Jerome, listener Jerome, wrote, is there really a noticeable difference between Luger, Parabellum, etc.? all the different types of 9mm, or names? Names? Mm-hmm. Luger, Parabellum, 9x19. No, there's no difference there. It's all it's all different variations of the same concept of the same nine millimeter. And one last weird one. This one, this guy's got a crazy name. Uh, why is it when people shoot striker fire pistols, they tend to shoot low left, but when they shoot 1911, they're dead on. Uh, this one's from Deerslayer 300 Windmaster. This sounds like someone I talked to earlier today. Okay. Actually, yeah, that conversation. It, it's something about the striker fire trigger because I isolated why I shoot low and left. And when I shoot low and left, and it's when I'm shooting a striker-fired gun. I was doing it with the XDS-45 this weekend, and I do it with my Glocks. But I can take a 1911, and something about the way that trigger comes back, I can hit IPSC at 200 yards with a 1911 more often than I can a Glock. Those are fantastic questions. It's amazing how many of those could have come from the same person. (laughs) All different names, though. That's right, right. They're they're troll accounts. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, go ahead and give us a little bit about the history of the 9mm. I was taking a sip of water doing a Rubio there. I will... Um, <laughs> Rubio. <laughs> uh, make sure we get that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the camera. I'll tell you what little I know about it. Uh, it's interesting. This round has been around quite a while. 1902 was developed by George Luger, as in the German Luger in Germany. And coincidentally, it was developed in conjunction with some officials from the U.S. government. 
course, this was all, you know, a decade or so before World War II, but who would have known that the U.S. was helping to develop this? And I think it came out of the, you know, the, the, the question a moment ago, 9 by 19 is what the power, uh, parabellum or 9 millimeter is, obviously, now. But I believe it started from the 9 by 21 and was necked down from that. So that's my understanding. In 1906, it was introduced out by the by the German army, and of course, then they used it against us in World War One, and, and subsequently after that, World War Two. So that's kind of how I got started. What, and it was ball ammo. It was either 115 or 116 grain, uh, whereas your NATO now is 124 typically. So you know, the nine million just kind of it was just it was a wartime caliber, and then where it really came into mainstream in the U.S. coming back to lethal weapon. You know, when the Beretta ninety two came out, and then you had it was then the Beretta was adopted by the military, so you got that going on, replacing the forty five, which really hacked off a lot of people because you're using ball ammo, and ball ammo, you know, either way is not going to be that effective. But nine millimeter ball ammo versus uh, you know because they're carrying one hundred twenty four grain ball versus 40, uh, rather 230 grain ball and a 45 is just not as effective. So a lot of guys are saying, of course, they're still using it. It's just not that effective, but it can be. Now, when you say ball ammo, that was one thing that I had to learn when I first got into it. Explain that to me. I'm, sure I'm sure that was, you were thinking of various ways <laughs> well, to take that. When I first heard it, I cringed a little bit, but, you know, now... Now I know, but explain I'm, that I'm to glad that was your reaction. So, <laughs> <laughs> ball ammo is typically full metal jacket ammo, and now you have full metal jacket truncated ammo. Say, in, I've seen some in 45 and also in 40, but a ball ammo. I think that might be coming out of the military and some background there. But it's and it actually probably started with 45, 230 grain ball, and you hear it called that all the time. I'd love to see somebody advertise it as 230-grain ball packaging. There's a lot of different advertising possibilities so Just there, so they can distinguish between a solid bullet versus and a, and a, a hollow point. point. Right. But yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting uh, marketing possibilities if you call it ball ammo, but whatever. Yeah. If you go ahead trademark that. You, know? you, you may be able exactly. to Exactly. So, but uh, on another market. So it really it didn't really hit the mainstream here in the U.S. with consumers until what we were talking about a moment ago with, with Lethal Weapon and glamorizing the Beretta. Uh, then after that... Of course, law enforcement, I guess in about the 80s or thereabouts or maybe 70s, some of the uh, older listeners my age, maybe a little bit older, will will be familiar with the name Frank Serpico. You've all heard of him? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Okay. New York officer. I think he did some undercover work, and this was back in the 70s. In fact, that was a, a book I read when I was you know, in my teens. Wasn't there a movie made on him? Yeah, there Al was. Al Pacino, right? Al Pacino, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serpico. So that, there may be some people that say, oh, wow, I forgot all about that. But he was carrying a Browning High Power. And one of the few officers of the day who carried a 9mm semi-automatic. So you got that going on. That, I guess, somewhat predated Lethal Weapon as far as the pop culture of this. Of course, mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon was, you know, fake and false. And Serpico was actually real life. Uh, that was actually based uh, on that's facts. The, the nonfiction. Yes, yeah, nonfiction. Based on facts. So then what happened, law enforcement said, you know, we're out there look, working with bad guys. And we need something that's more effective than a thirty-eight Special. Because the ballistics of a nine millimeter are superior, a little bit to the thirty-eight special. Plus, you had the capacity. Uh, then, three fifty-seven Magnum, which is still used by law enforcement in some pockets, but it was just a matter of getting away from the six-shot revolver and the ease of reloading uh, a speed loader. Even you know, even see pros, I think, that can reload uh, obviously a semi-automatic faster than they can a revolver with the speed loader. So it was it was capacity and relative to the 38 better ballistics with the 9mm. So you had this big wave, and then the 9mm took a ding in 1986 with the Miami shootout. 
Uh, y'all familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, we talked about that. And okay, yeah. What, what happened was a couple of bad guys. There's actually a movie made about that. I think David Soul, uh, an actor, was portrayed Starsky and yeah, Starsky. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. He he David portrayed, Soul. I believe, one of the bad guys. And uh, what's the other guy who was in a sitcom with? Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing here. Oh, uh, Burt Gummer, I believe, was the other one, if I'm not mistaken. The uh, guy who played Burt Gummer in the Tremors movies. I think he was. Oh, we're talking about um, the guy from Facts. What's his name? Michael. Guys? What's his name? Michael. Yeah. Michael. Is it Michael Gross? Is that yes. Michael yeah. Gross. Is that his name? Yeah. Michael. Okay. Gross. Yeah. yeah. So I think he, if I remember correctly, he was the other bad guy in the Hollywood portrayal of that incident. But it had a very. I was thinking uh, of Remo Williams. <laughs> Sorry, the guy yeah. Fred Ward is that his I'm, name? I'm not. Yeah. He was in Tremors too. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. Oh, Fred Ward, Joe Dirt. Yeah, of course. Of course, they all tie into who's the other guy that was in Tremors? That well, everybody makes a connection to Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah, seven degrees. Yeah. Of Kevin so we just Bacon. made our Kevin yeah. Bacon uh, connection. Wow, wow, that's a bonus. That wasn't even in the script here. So where we're going with that's this is that once the nine millimeter got in the mainstream, and then in 1982, and some people don't realize it was that far back, but in 1982. Glock uh, released the Glock, the uh, 17, the 9mm. So they released that, and the 19 came out a little bit behind that. We have a 17 on the table? We have yes, a 17 and a couple of 19s. Got a 22 also. Of course, that's not our 9. But. So law enforcement started moving to the 9s because of the high capacity, and it does have some better ballistic capabilities compared to the 38. But the 1986 Miami incident actually changed firearms and, and calibers and, and so forth to where we are right now. A couple of law enforcement uh, FBI agents lost their lives that day. There's been all types of discussion about tactics and, and so forth, but a lot of it came back to the the ammo, which was 9mm, 115-grain Winchester silver tips. And the silver tips, some people still carry those things. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a type I'm going to carry. Uh, it just has a history of not expanding well. So they were carrying the silver tips, and the FBI decided they need something more powerful than a handgun. So what came along? The Bren 10, the 10 millimeter, and then you know Miami Vice, and that was mm-hmm. one of the first guns. There's another Don series, of, yeah, Don Johnson and Sonny Crockett. So Don Johnson, I think in the earlier days of Miami Vice, was carrying the Bren 10, 10 millimeter. So they developed a 10 millimeter, and then after you know a period of time, the FBI and law enforcement said, we can't handle the recoil on this. We're not accurate with it. Our follow-ups are not good with the 10. So what happened? They dropped it to the 40, so shortened the case a little bit. And worked primarily beginning with the 180 grain bullet. So the nine took some dings, but it came back. And I, you know, this goes to a lot of different areas. But I think now people still feel that the nine millimeter is just really not that effective uh, in law enforcement. The 40 caliber has really, I think, become the dominant caliber over the nine. There's still some agencies. When I think of Nashville here locally, Nashville PD carries the Glock 22, and I think they carry 165 grain Rangers. Don't ask me how mm-hmm. I know that. And then in, um, again, THP, I mentioned that a moment ago, state troopers carry 357 SIG. So yeah. you're looking at that and going, well, if you've got you know a large agency in Tennessee that's carrying that, Metro Department, then you've got the state. So what's wrong with the 9mm? There really isn't anything wrong with the 9mm. It's just that For one, it's the bottom floor for defensive calibers that I will personally carry. It's the bottom floor. But I think the 9mm, when you're comparing it to the 40 and 45 and 357 SIG, for that matter, just those four, I'm not even bringing the 380 into this discussion. It's a 9mm light. And that's, you can't make the 380 into a 9mm. You can't make the 9mm into a 45 or a 40 or a 357 SIG. They all have to work in their respective compartments okay they've all got their place they all have their place and 
the, the fact that think about the nine millimeter and I've been testing ammo now independently. No one pays me to do it. It's just a hobby of mine. I'm fascinated by it. And I started out four years ago just testing ammo. And that's kind of how I got into YouTube. And I was working with Hickok, and he said, hey, he posted a video to YouTube. And it, this was in 2007 or 2008. And I said, I don't even know what YouTube is. So I signed up, <laughs> set up an account, but didn't, didn't post any videos. So I started, I said, what can I do to contribute to this in the gun community? Because it was going to be gun-related. It right. was going to be gun-related. Although I started out with some crappy little videos and some other stuff. It was going to be a Second Amendment channel, and that's foremost what it is. I started testing ammo using Wetpack, and the only caliber— What's Wetpack? Wetpack. Basically, uh, it's probably the oldest form of ammo testing. It's the least expensive, and anybody can test it. It's where you take newspaper or phone books, mm-hmm. and you soak it. You have to soak it for a period of time to get, to get the saturation. Otherwise, just the external part of what you've wrapped up in the wet pack is going to get wet. And I actually started testing wet pack in my backyard about eight or ten years ago with the Glock 19, and that's the only caliber I had. I mean, 9mm was the only caliber I had until about three years ago. Can you imagine that? And then it's just now I have probably 15 different calibers. So literally, so now I'm testing all that. But I've tested so many 9mm loads, that's all I did for the first couple of years. Now I've expanded into other uh, calibers, including rifles and shotguns and so forth. 9mm is effective, but it is very ammo-dependent. I think it's more ammo-dependent on your choice than any other caliber. When you say ammo-dependent, what clarify you get into You get into velocity and bullet weights and bullet composition whether it's a bonded bullet, a non-bonded bullet, uh, you can start another tangent or argument that really only, this is like the Diane Feinstein argument. I'm sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> but where you absolutely, as a civilian, you should not have to use bonded bullets because they're designed for barrier penetration. But again, it comes back to that argument. You, we can buy them. You can buy your gold dots. You can buy your golden saber bonded. You can buy your HSTs. We can buy all that stuff. And see, this is where I geek out completely. Our listeners know that... I'm a scientist by trade before I got into the career. I'm and that's now. kind of my career as right. well. So, <clears throat> And when I first got into the YouTube videos, Hickok was one of the first ones, and I enjoy him. You know, Plinkster. He's pretty good for a 90-year-old shooter, isn't he? He is. I thought he was a little older than that. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming up on 93. Speaking of Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I enjoy all those videos. But then somebody turned me on to your videos a couple months ago. And well, just, it took that long. It's got the science. It's got the physics. It's got the ballistics. It's got a little bit of comedy. Oh, a little bit of comedy. A little bit. A little I, bit of, I love that stuff. I geek out to the science of... And that's one of the things that got me back into the firearms the second time around of me being a firearms enthusiast is the science behind it and the access to all that data that I had now to where when I had one back when I was 22, 23, I was like, eh, I got it for home protection. No big deal. But then when I started learning the physics behind everything, it was just like, oh. So that's well, why I kind of geek out to your videos a little it's bit. It's actually, I think that's really good feedback. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because another reason why I did this, you couldn't find any information like that. No. I mean, you can go out there and ATK, which is a company that manufactures Federal and Spear Ammo, which is, I think, two of the best premium products out there. Uh, when you can get the HSTs and the gold dots. The gold dots you can find pretty much anywhere. But uh, the HSTs are a little bit harder to come by. But in any event, where was I going with this? Five, four, three, four years ago when I started doing this, no, there was one other guy on YouTube who was uh, posting ammo tests, shooting into water. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to get into you know, test blocks like I am and other things now. But I said, and that was another thing. I said, one, there's not a lot of information. And I have to think that permit carriers such as myself, for people who are just interested in, in ballistics, 
would like to be able to get this data. And even with the internet and searching, you can find some of the ATK reports where they will have uh, clinics with the law enforcement agency and they will test ammo that that law enforcement agency is using or they're looking to adopt. And one thing that really, I don't know if it was encouraging to me because what I was trying to accomplish by doing this through YouTube or anybody can just dial up and see it or it was disappointing. And that was, I was hearing from so many people in the law enforcement field all over the U S and even some from South America specifically, because a lot of those guys in South America, they're limited to 380. So if you do some research, it's like, that's kind of disturbing. So I was hearing from a lot of law enforcement folks who said, uh, I'd be interested if you would test this caliber or this load, uh, because it's what our agency uses. And we have no idea its capabilities. So that was the disturbing part, was that a lot of folks were just buying up ammo, and it was going through a purchasing office in a county. And in my county, uh, I know several folks out there, and I was talking to one of the county officers, and I uh, said, so let me look at your Glock. And we were at his house. Uh, no, we were at a convenience store. But seriously, we were, we were at his house. <laughs> we, were, we were at his house. And I uh, said, so look at your Glock. And he, he knew I was, did a lot with Glocks and a, a Glock fanboy. And I looked at his ammo. And this is kind of the sick disease that I have acquired in the last three or four years. I can look at around and I can tell you who makes it and the bullet weight. Bring it on. Pop quiz. Bring it on. Hang on. Let me see. Uh, if, I don't know, it's <laughs> Here really we go. Okay. It. We have a law enforcement test. Oh, my God. Okay. I got, Wait, I've got one over here for you. You got one, right? That's the 230 grain uh, gold dot. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a spear. It's a 45 ACP. This is what Bruce is carrying here. But you can look and see how far the bullet is seated. And I'm saying that's not a 185, it's not a 200, and it's not a 230. Because I know that's what, that's a 230 grain gold dot. Do you approve? Oh, absolutely. It would be right. (laughs) He's right. Okay. Yeah, it's a 230 grain. Here's the left hand's carry. All right. I'm going to take my glasses off to do this. Oh. It almost looks like a federal or Hornady bulk ammo. PPU, Privy Partisan. Wow, where'd you find that? Yeah. It's Privy Partisan, and it is 180 grain because you can see yes, where the bullet is. is seated to that point right there. Is that correct? Very good. I'm yes, too sir. <laughs> right. This is disturbing. It's a sick disease. Mine's easy because my, my little polymer insert gives it away. Oh, it's a critical defense. Was Oh, you got the zombie, man. <laughs> <laughs> the zombie load. So I criticized you earlier for getting a Glock 19. Of course, that was being sarcastic. But So now you stand by it. Those, those were I stand by the, I, no, I was being sarcastic with the Glock 19, but with this crap, <laughs> I yeah, that's as gimmicky as it gets, isn't it? Yeah, that's it was the, a Christmas gift. So. That's the 180 grain critical defense. So you're getting they. This is another sick thing. I know the stats. So they're advertising just over a thousand feet per second with this. Uh, I like Hornady, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to sit here tonight and, and bash companies or ammo like I would you and your Glock 19, sarcastic. <laughs> but but seriously, I get the questions all the time. And there's no best ammo, but there is some better ammo, and that's where the nine millimeter. I think you had to be very depends on what you're using it for. Y'all right? have given me everything but nine millimeter to, for the pop quiz, and I can tell you right now. Oh, got <laughs> he's got a backup. Coming. That's a 380, isn't it? No, oh, it's a 32. Yeah. It's a Remington Full Metal Jacket ball. Now the weight I don't know, but I'm going to say around. Uh, it's a 32. I'm going to say 100 to 100, anywhere from 90 to 100 grains. Couldn't tell you myself. Honestly. Okay, it's Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. But the zombie, the zombie, the zombie max load from Hornady is is the same thing as critical defense. It's mm-hmm. just a different color insert. Yep, that's it. And my my <laughs> criticism of the critical defense is that it's underpowered. 
Uh, it's manufactured to be a, a low recoiling load in whatever caliber you're buying it for, mm. but their velocities have always consistently come down so far below their advertised. And, you know, rarely I hit the advertised. Sometimes it's over. And that's just, you know, atmospheric conditions, elevation, and whatnot. Isn't that one and that the, came out with the critical duty? Yeah, the, the critical duty is a little better for 9 Critical duties for penetration where the critical defense, exactly. they don't want the penetration. I, I think the atenomy of the lead, and that is basically the, the amount of tin that's in the lead. Uh, I tested a uh, Brennicky slug recently, getting off topic a tad bit, but I tested a Brennicky slug recently, which has a higher content of uh, tin in it, so it's a harder lead. And that's what they've done with the critical defense. So that's a... That's a Winchester white box, 115 grain full metal jacket, uh, velocity out of a Glock 19 of about 1,000. Nailed it. That's what it is. 1,150 feet per second ever. Good. So uh, when you were talking it's a about disturbing the, uh, sick disease, I was going to ask you about the critical um, duty ammo, specifically the Hornaday, uh, and in the nine millimeter, um, which I have a box plus with P, me tonight. Plus P plus. Yeah. I was going to ask your opinion on that. Um, just in general, not for any specific or yeah. I actually use. brought about twenty or twenty-five different kinds of nine millimeter ammo tonight. I didn't know what you were doing with regard to the video uh, showing that, but I brought a box with me. One thing I like about it is the bullet weight. I think there is a place in the nine millimeter ammo lineup for any company to produce something other than one twenty-four or one forty-seven. Uh, there's such a wide discrepancy of velocity and energy levels between 124 and 147 grain 9 millimeter. Now, I am a fan of both weights in the 124. So I get this question all the time. Uh, there's a percent. A lot of people. You know, I've, I've advertised myself as being a big proponent of 9 millimeter and carrying the Glock 19 and showing videos where I've got six of them and I've got 200 magazines laying there. I mean, seriously, and things like that. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of invested in that. But where I'm going with this is that I get questions about every other day. Uh, what 9 millimeter ammo is your favorite or your best or would you carry? And it would be two. It would be a couple of things. The 124 grain plus P Spear Gold Dot. That is a very good load. It's bonded load. It has street credentials, and that's another. Thing. Street cred, dude. The Zombie Max does not have street creds. I'm sorry, it just it doesn't. No, it just well, there, doesn't. There's not like been that. a zombie outbreak no. yet. How can it have street cred when we don't have zombies oh. to test it on? If the AWB passes, but anyway, I didn't say that. But the, the Zombie Max. Um, oh man, that's just ridiculous. We got We got to talk about that. We got to talk about that off off record here. That's crap. I'm sorry. The thing about it is, and I've told people this, Hornady has flooded. Every store, everywhere, it was brilliant with their marketing. product. Oh, oh, brilliant! Whoever their rep is has got to be a millionaire or oh, billionaire. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. genius! Their yeah. product. I mean, they 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 do a very good job of marketing their product. Some companies don't, and I won't get into that. But some companies just do a, a really bad job of marketing their product, or they overhype. Federal Guard Dog, but I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing so, I like to fact. Yeah. Outside the FBI incident, <clears throat> I want to make sure that, that your oh, listeners man. and yourselves take away from. Everybody wanted to try to point to the ballistics of that situation, but you also, people, it, they didn't look at the fact that you had two very dedicated, mindsetted individuals in that Miami shootout. Mindset is probably one of the most incredible things when it comes to weapons warfare. Okay, uh, I've seen, and historically across the world, with, uh, you know, 22 is probably the most common killing weapons out there. There's more people have been dying from 22 shots than probably any other weapon out there. That's mafia loved them for years for that simple fact. But those two men were completely committed and dedicated to what their cause of action was going to and be. Capable. And they capable. They were military right. trained. And they were trained in many 14, among other things. Yeah. yeah. And 
a problem with a lot of those agents that went there. They went with the false concept because they had mass in numbers that they were going, this is going to be an easy situation to 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 win. That's, and it, I agree, and that's the impression I got. Again, you can you know say hit or miss as far as Hollywood's portrayal of that because yes. you know you can read the reports all over the internet and you can go look at the movie. And the thing about the movie is there were scenes where the two bad guys were shooting people point blank range. I think they robbed an armored car, if I'm not mistaken, at a grocery store. So you know, again, I know they try to portray that as accurately as possible. I'm going, wow, broad daylight. In the middle of the day, and these guys had the cojones to go in and, 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 and were tagging people point-blank range in this parking lot and just be nonchalant about it. Yeah. And then I agree 100% because what got me as I watched the movie in that last scene develop, they're in the neighborhood. And here's another crazy thing. You can go into Google Maps and see that neighborhood, and you're going, I can't believe this happened here. But in South Miami. But you look at the way Hollywood portrayed them, Just they weren't being nonchalant, the officers, about how they approached them, but it almost seemed like, if I remember, they were just riding next to them parallel down the street. When you wait, get, just, I'm going, wait a minute. The tax, so the, I'm not in law enforcement, but the tactics is just using common sense didn't add up for me. It, and it there was a lot of factors that went in that day, and I just I want everybody to understand that I have gone on calls where you've seen somebody shot, and we're responding to a shot, and you arrive, and you're asking, okay, where's the victim? And the the guy's standing there, and he's got three rounds in his center mass. Mm -hmm. Handgun, the body can absorb a lot of damage and continue. But if your mind, the L.A. shootout, okay, that one officer right there had been basically shot in the hand, but he told himself that he was going to die because he'd been shot. He had the psychological effect on there, so he basically mm-hmm. went into a shock situation. But he did not have a life-threatening injury because he had been hit. He had psychologically told himself, hey, I get shot, I die. Mm-hmm. No, you can absorb a lot of damage to the human body. Your mind will quit before your body does if you allow it. So it's, and that goes back to those books I was talking about with, that we've learned through the unkilling on combat of trying to get the bulletproof mind and being prepared for yeah. and I, I- you bring up a good point there too. I've talked to some other uh, law enforcement that said you know the training has changed because in the past it's like okay when they go through their training scenarios if you get shot no matter what or you know where you play dead. No, we don't allow that You're anymore. Dead. So in their mindset, you know, the training kicks in and in yeah. training if I get shot then I lay down and I'm dead. So yep. they've reversed that now. Defaulted their level of training. Right. Yeah. And said, okay, you get shot, you just keep going through the training scenarios I, now, too. I think that happened in the incident over here on, in Nashville locally, for people who are familiar with this area, uh, just south of the Davidson County line and getting to Williamson County and Brentwood, the incident a few years ago, and it may have been further back than that. Uh, I want to say he robbed a bank, and this happened in the middle of the street on Franklin Road, which is US 31 yes. in Nashville. And I want to say that he had either an AR. Or he did. Many, okay, an AR. He hit some officers, and the officers stayed in the fight. And I remember that specifically. So everything y'all are saying here is is playing up to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that instant locally. So is nine millimeter? It's you. You would think it's more attractive to uh, beginning shooters due to recoil, cost of ammo, and et cetera, et cetera. I do think nine millimeter is going to be attractive to beginning shooters. Because uh, beginning shooters, I think their primary concern. One of their primary concerns is recoil, even if they've shot 22s or, or something else. But if they are truly just getting into the sport and, and feeling like they need to protect themselves with, with a handgun, uh, that's going to be the thing. And, and so how do they find out that it's, it's, that it's soft recoiling? It could be 
watching people at the range, watching YouTube videos, and just talking to people, law enforcement or whatnot. I think that's going to be attractive. Another thing is capacity. I mean, capacity speaks volumes. You know, volume, capacity, the same thing. But I think people are going to be looking at that. So they, they, they see the recoil or they, they actually try it at a range or with a friend. And, it's, of course, we want to try to introduce people as we can to the shooting sport the last few years. And I started out with 9mm. Uh, I said, let's not even go 22. If you're going to get into target shooting, you're going to get into carrying a, you know, having a carry permit, let's start with 9mm. So that's where we went, and a lot of these guys have been working with, uh, and some ladies, they started out with 9. So it's the recoil, it's the capacity, it's the just, of course, now there's a huge variety of handguns in every caliber, but it seems like there's really more 9mm. You know, mm-hmm. Glocks, you've got your handful of Glocks, but look at the SIG. I mean, how many SIGs can you get in 9mm, all the yep. different variations? So you look at that, I think if people really get into this, they'll see that 9mm can be effective in a compact handgun. If you're Plus all go, the rap stars, that's what they talk about. Well, yeah, it's all the raps. When people are buying a handgun, the name that you hear most often is Glock. Mm-hmm. It is. And when you look at the movies, you just develop this. And the Glock annual magazine they put out every year, right. now that you have your Glock 19, you need to go out and buy that. Okay. You need to go out and get that. You can find it at any bookstore and grocery, most of the big grocery stores that have magazines. But it's, it's put out by Glock, and it's basically an advertisement. It's a catalog <laughs> that goes through all their models. It has a lot of focus on law enforcement, but some with civilians and they of course they highlight the nine millimeter which is what we're talking about tonight the gun enthusiast version of the victoria secret uh yeah what what was the reference point for that with the victoria secret something that and this is another inside joke but it, it's oh, it's current yeah. what was bigfoot is the is oh yeah that was, i think we had text back and forth today mm-hmm. that you had sent me a text and i don't remember that and i don't Something think about I, insider information. Insider information. And yeah, you gave me some insider information. I said my insider information, among many points, is that Bigfoot is a lingerie model for Victoria's Secret. I knew it. He favors the I lace he, he favors the lace thongs. <laughs> the, 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 the whale back. Is that what it's called? The whale back? Is it the whale back? <laughs> well, it's Bigfoot, man. It's going <laughs> to... Come on. The whale back. It's the elephant back. It's the whale That's back. Awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> just... <laughs> Uh, we were talking about the the cost of ammo being a beneficial to a new shooter too. Yeah, it um, is. I've read before that nine millimeter right now is about thirty five percent less than forty five ACP, and some people think of that as they're going to save thirty five percent more money. But you almost need to think it's more like you're going to get thirty five percent more training. You're going to be able to shoot more. You're going to be able to learn more. Yeah, exactly. You can, and it's it's because of the components. I mean, you've got more lead, you got more brass, you got mm-hmm. more powder. So it's the components, and I think that is a factor that can dissuade people from going with the 45, which of course is an excellent caliber. But the 45 has this mythology that it has a lot of recoil, and it doesn't. And the first time I, I shot a 45, other than you know doing some things with Hickok back in the 80s and 90s and whatnot, was uh, when I before I bought a Glock 30, which I don't mm-hmm. own right now, but I bought a Glock 30 about 10 or tw- about 10 years ago. And I took it to a range, local range, indoor range, before I was doing a lot of stuff in my backyard in the woods. And I shot the Glock 30. I said, you got to be kidding me. It was like shooting a 38. Wow. So then I bought that, and I carried that for a while, but sold it to build up on my inventory of Glock 9mm. And then I got the Colt, which is one of the most favorite guns I've ever shot. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a pleasant shooter. I'm accurate. I like the sights and so forth. But, but with 9s, it is, it is cost with ammo. And the recoil, the magazine capacity, because if, if someone is going to cross that threshold, because it it's a psychological thing, it's a commitment. 
to carry. Right. And you're saying, well, you know, what's the bottom floor for carry? And I'm going to tell everybody, for me, it's 9 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can carry 22 if you want. And I've talked about that in some videos, that if, if you can't handle it, if you've got some conditions, medical conditions, where you, you can't handle a recoil of even a 380, right. then at least go with a 22 and just be accurate and be proficient with it. You can be proficient, you know, like we've talked about, with 22s and, and get things done. But ammo availability, of course, right now, here in February 2013, you can't find anything. Uh, but the cost of ammo uh, is a factor. Recoil, magazine capacity. And I was thinking there was something else I was missing here with the 9mm. As far as some of the 9mm ammo out there, they have the label plus P or plus P plus. Is it really beneficial for anyone to get that ammo that's labeled that? I know it's a stronger power, right? Yeah, it's you've got more velocity. And realistically, it's not that more much more percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. The thing about velocities in handguns, uh, when you go down in velocity with a handgun, you might go down 5%. I tested something earlier this week. I think the velocity difference between a short barrel and long barrel, and it was a 45, but you drop down in velocity, you might lose 10%. But in energy, which is that momentum, that energy, mm-hmm. which is being defined as the ability to do work, energy uh, in a soft target, it goes down even more. Right. You might drop velocity 10%, but you might drop your energy by 17 or 20%. So, Because it's all, it's all based on the kinetic energy that's following that bullet, the built-up energy behind it that's going to make that expansion cavity, right? Right. Expansion, <clears throat> and of course, your penetration, it's a whole other. Th- I think a lot of people might go as far as saying that without having the option for plus P and 9mm or plus P plus, that the 9mm really cannot be effective. Mm. And that's what it comes down to is being effective because there's a lot of different ways you can take this. Uh, Personally, I feel like that in the 124, you know, you look at the bullet weights, the predominant bullet weights for 9mm, 115 grain, Standard pressure is going to penetrate well. You're just not going to get a lot of expansion. I think some people might go as far as saying, and I, I kind of feel this way, that without the plus P or the plus P plus options in 9mm, even though it gives a nominal advantage compared to standard pressure, that it, it might, it's probably what's really helped the 9mm. When you look at ammo development in the last 10 to 15 years, and even the last five or six years, when you look at all the major service calibers defined as 9mm. 45, 40, and 357 SIGs. I've, I've got to be an advocate for 357 SIG. I'm sorry. But the 9mm, and I think a lot of people will agree with this, has benefited from this technology, whether it's uh, more, you know, the composition of the bullet, the polymer tips, or whatnot. But I think just the way that they now make bullets and the technology and the R&D has really, really kind of closed the gap between the 9, the mm-hmm. 40, 45, and and, and so forth. And again, that the caliber wars are never going to go away. But the plus P pluses and the 115s, you know, 100, it's, I mean, when you look at a 115 out of the brass, it's such a small piece of lead, and you're going, wow, that's just not enough. And even a 124, to me, you hold it in your hand, and you're going, and even a plus P, you're, you're launching that at approximately 1,200 feet per second. And you're mm-hmm. like, what's that going to do? Well, it's not going to expand a ton, but it's the penetration aspect, and you're getting, you know, 400, thereabout foot pounds of energy. And again, I'm, I'm a believer in the energy factor. So people choose 9mm, they say, yeah, 115 grain is light. It's probably easy to find. 124 grain, I think, is the most popular carry option. 147 grain and 9mm is where you really get into a debate. I think a lot of old school folks are saying the 147's never really expanded. You've got a lower velocity. You're getting into 1,000 feet per second or less out of a 4-inch barrel, 9mm. So why would you want to go something that is subsonic in velocity because then you're getting down to 300 and something foot pounds of energy True. when you're measuring that but the thing about the 147s and it's actually what i have right now in the glock 19 i brought with me tonight uh it has the 147 grain federal hst plus p 
uh, federal. I just like the hundred. I, I like, and you'll hear people say heavy for caliber, mm-hmm. whether it's 180 grain and 40, 230 and 45. There are some proponents, and I, I think I'm one of those of the 147 grain in nine millimeter. It, obviously, it's it's you don't have the ton of velocity behind it. The HSTs advertised a thousand feet per second. I think I got close to that out of a four inch barrel. The plus P's, which is what's in here right now, is a thousand fifty feet per second. So you're still subsonic. And actually, when I tested this versus the standard pressure, the standard pressure penetrated a little bit more. Things moving faster, slow down faster. There's something to be said for the 147s. And 10 or 15 years ago, I don't think I could have said that. But technology has improved in the components and so forth and how they design bullets now. Uh, they penetrate well, and they are designed to expand. I think that was a knock on the 147s and 9mm 15, 20 years ago, was that they're not going to expand. You're basically making a full metal jacket. So what was your longest shot with a 9mm? Longest shot with a 9mm, and it's actually the longest shot I've made with a handgun, is 250 yards, laser wow. measured with a Glock 19. I think I wow. have that on video. Was it on steel? Yeah. Nice. IPSC. So that's roughly roughly 18 by 24 inches. Mm-hmm. It's a torso size target. And I was set up on some property close to where I live. I've got three or four places I can shoot, fortunately. If I didn't have that, I don't know what I would do. I could shoot in the backyard out to about 50 yards, maybe 80 if I go sideways, but I'd rather not do that. I mean, it's safe, right. number one. But I do have some property that I can access. Uh, it's about 700 acres of property. Wow. And I set up a target. I had a nice backstop, and I had hay bales behind that. And it was on a hillside, and I had a clear line of sight. And I believe I have video or a segment of video on that, but it was with Glock 19. It, it was not the first shot. It probably took me 15, 16 shots to do it. But How I made, far was the holdover on it? Oh, wow. Um, probably about two feet. That's not two bad. to three feet. Yeah, probably two to three feet, no more than that. With the with the hill on the backstop, I could mm-hmm. see, and I was using 115 grain sure. full metal jacket. So it's not the most accurate stuff in the world because it just kind of slide, you know, right. slides out there. But uh, 9mm, I've seen stories of people uh, accidentally being hit with 9mm from three or 400 yards away. It's like a 22. You launch it, it's going to go out. But yeah, 250 yards, and I've done 200 yards a lot with a Glock 34 or a Glock 19. Uh, the crazy thing about the short barrel Glocks, and Hickok has shown this as well, uh, you can be very accurate at long range with, with the compact Glocks oh, or yeah. the subcompact Glocks. Yeah, I've seen him do it with a 26. He's done it with the, the 26. I know he's done, a, he's done it with yard? the 27 at 230 yards. What? How long is that long gun that he has? 230. 230? Wow. Yeah, I'm yeah, actually, I'm actually the guy who measured it. But yeah, 230. But yeah, I, everything I do like that, uh, If I, and I posted a Glock video in 2012. It's just a montage of shooting, and the end of it closes with me raising up just from a draw and mm-hmm. raising up in front of the camera and hitting... Uh, IPSC at 200 yards with the 19 and then dropping back down. You can hear it wow. ding in the distance. So That's awesome. I like doing that kind of stuff. And I think and it, it's really not difficult. A lot of people can do it. You just have to have the ability to, to get out and practice somewhere for that. Right. Yeah, it can be done. It's not impossible. So we've got a little trivia question. Uh-oh. And 10 Outdoors 9 is generous enough. He's going to autograph a Nashville Armory hat for us. And whoever can find the answer to this in one of his videos, I don't know how many you're going to have to look. How many videos do you have up? About 250, 260. So good luck trying to find this. But uh, how many Glock 9mm magazines do you own? And that is hidden within one of your videos? It's in a couple of videos, and let's try to make it a little easier. Obviously, okay. it's going to be, you know, you can search the videos for oh, Glock. We've got to make it hard. No, I'm just kidding. No, but... <laughs> 
I'll I'll give them a variance of being within 25. How about that? If they're within 25? Within 25, how many? On the quantity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll work. yeah, that'll work. And then what we'll do is we will get a drawing of all the names that were within 25 of those Glock 9mm magazines, and we'll announce it next week, and the winner will get an autographed hat from the Nashville Armory, signed by 10 Outdoors 9. You know, you were right. You really don't know crap about a 9mm, dude. No, I don't. Not yeah. anything. I probably know more about that than any other caliber, but I'm learning about the others. <laughs> I'd say behind that, beyond that is probably 357 SIG. Gotcha. So for other trivia, last week we forgot to do our trivia question. So a throwback to last week's Valentine's episode with my wife and left hand's right hand Pepper. Uh, we were going to ask a... Trivia question about a movie with guns had to do with relationships. So in the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith, when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are fighting in the living room, what gun does she pull out of the fireplace? So in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, what gun does Angelina Jolie pull out of the fireplace when they are fighting? That is this week's trivia. For those of you that won the past three, the two lights and the Glock range bag, uh, those got sent out or actually got sent out today. So you should be getting those beginning of next week, maybe mid next week. I'm not sure how long it'll take to get there. Don't forget to the AR-15 beauty pageant. Deadline is March 1st to get those pictures in. Just send us a picture of your AR-15. Has to have some kind of piece of paper something with your name in the picture initials because anybody can pull an ar-15 picture off the internet and say <laughs> it's theirs uh so have something with your name in the picture email it to us at talkingled at gmail.com or post it on facebook or send it to us on twitter uh, any of those will work and the deadline's march 1st and then probably about the end of march we'll have the episode where it'll be the beauty pageant and it's it's a functionality thing functionality beauty looks how much people like it. We're going to have a uh, Special Forces Green Beret come in. Bruce, who you just met, the SWAT team member, team leader. He's going to be one of the judges. And that'll be fun. It's time for Facts, Facts to, fight to Fight the, the Myths. 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 Yeah. We'll start with you, 10 Outdoors 9. What's your Fact to Fight the Myth? It really revolves around the theme of, of, the, sh- revolves around the theme of the show today, and that is the myth that the 9mm is not an effective self-defense caliber okay it's been effective in warfare using full metal jacket for over 100 years it has been proven to be effective on the street by law enforcement civilians have used it in self-defense in legal scenarios and it has proven to be effective i think as i mentioned earlier it is dependent upon bullet selection i think you really need to evaluate what's out there and uh, of course that's with any caliber and, and of course shot placement skill training tactics and you can never forget murphy and that luck that's on your side so but i think more for the other more than the other service calibers nine millimeter is is very much uh load specific and there's a lot of good choices out there and uh, I'm, I'm glad to help with your questions and so forth i get a lot of that and i and again i realize that it could be the first choice for somebody in self-defense and um, again it's your choice and you can't help folks with that i can't help folks with that i mean you have to make that choice but what we're trying to do with things like this is to get information out there because it is hard to find and the more information you have from people who are at least you know trying to learn more and help you learn more that's going to help all of us kind of what you were saying about just the myth of nine not being effective defensive round I was listening to a podcast this week, and I can't for the life of me remember which one it was. But he had a good point how, <clears throat> yes, 45 ACP is a good defensive round, and 9mm is too. And when you talk about a lot of people say, oh, well, one round of 45 ACP 
is going to be a lot more effective than one round of 9mm. That's probably true too, but the problem is when it comes to a firefight situation, you're not going to have that time to stop, draw your weapon, aim perfectly, get everything right on target, and make sure you're going to hit your target. It's usually a chaotic, hectic situation. So in that situation, he was saying how you can get your 9mm after recoil back on target faster and get more rounds off. So it's more of an argument, okay, a 45 ACP is going to be the equivalent of three or four rounds of 9mm at a better speed. Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah, and you can you can <clears throat> kind of summarize that by saying it, it could be better. And again, it comes to shot placement. We all hear stories about people who are hit eight, nine times with a 45, what is deemed to be very good quality ammo sure and they have a lot of center mass hits they don't fall and it comes back to the discussion we had earlier today with regard to the will to fight and and, and survive in the person who is the threat and when and that gets into psychological and, and so forth and, and physiological where people who are hit don't even know it so you know a nine millimeter with effective shot placement with even a really crappy bullet could stop a threat Sure. I'm not saying take somebody out of this world. I'm saying all you want to do is stop the threat. That's, you just want to stop it where there's no further action. And I used to work at a hospital, and I've seen people walk into the ER, walk into the ER with a gunshot wound, and it'd be a 45 ACP wound, and they're fine. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're not fine, but they're, they're walking fine, in, right. they're going, hey, I got shot. Right. And, and you're kind of like going, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> and the thing about ammo selection with full metal jackets your energy deposit is going to be downrange because mm-hmm. in most cases a full metal jacket is more likely to pass through from any angle where it comes in and goes out than would be a, a jacketed hollow point that's the purpose of the of the, of the jacketed hollow point mm-hmm. and my theory on hollow points we didn't really get into this is that i favor uh, the penetration aspect in reaching vital organs mm-hmm. and shutting down as many body systems as possible with as many shots as possible until the threat stops expansion for me is a bonus and a lot of people that I deal with and, and the feedback on videos in, in this business, if you want to call it that, uh, this interest, this enthusiasm, is that folks are really hung up on the expansion. Well, that expanded more than this. I mean, you, you can have a 9 millimeter that expands more than a 40 Sometimes. or 40 that expands more than a 45. It depends on the bullet construction, bonded versus non-bonded, how many pedals are in there, the mm-hmm. velocity, where it hits, and you throw bone into the equation everything goes out. Sometimes that can hurt you because there's a video we, we discussed when we had our caliber craziness episode and it's a doctor and he's discussing different calibers and their effectiveness in the medical field. I don't know if you've seen it before. He's, a, he's actually a German guy. I've seen it. And yeah. he shows an x-ray of this bullet that it was an expanding hollow point and as soon as it hit the sternum it expanded and basically stopped just past the sternum yeah a centimeter away from the guy's heart guy survived he was fine yes i work work in that field to some extent Mm -hmm. and i have access to resources and research that most people don't because of what i do for a living and that's probably one thing that kind of augments what i do and my interest in all of this but i'm i'm doing this from a layperson's perspective and i'm but yeah i I think people if they don't understand anatomy you've got a sternum that runs down through here and that's a very thick solid piece of bone and then you've got ribs that are all very close together and there's not a lot of space and everything i do with these tests is a representation and anyone else regardless of what media they're doing and and for example the the pros i mean the real pros because i'm not but you look at the fbi and the ammo companies who really know what they're doing and they have all these different protocol with ammo testing they have the resources they have the money to buy all these ballistic gel blocks and so forth and you're just showing what, 16 to 20 inches of soft tissue, of fat. I mean, that's basically all it is. And you got you got a pretty heavy piece of bone less than one inch beneath your chest. You can hit that, and it can stop, like you said. You can hit a rib, 
and make what is a, a, a good solid center mass hit and it deflects and goes out their side and the fight is still on yep. so it's a crapshoot no pun intended but that's uh, that's what it is so all this testing and so forth is valuable I think and it's why I do it and I'm always going to be interested in it I believe but uh, I'm just it's a it's a static immobile target that doesn't have a heart and a soul in the will to fight it's just a static block it's not shooting back either there's no adrenaline or anything else thank god yeah it's just a represent- <laughs> yeah the day that happens I'm getting out of this <laughs> But that would probably be the highest rated YouTube video ever. Yeah, if I'm around to show it. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my fact to fight the myth this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the letter campaign that we mentioned earlier. We launched the letter campaign. Basically, we got inspiration from a few of these small boutique arms companies, uh, Spikes Tactical, LaRue. Uh, York Tactical, a few of the other small ones. And they were coming out with a stamp saying, okay, if these gun bans go through and civilians can no longer buy the AR-style rifles or military-style rifles or whatever you decide to ban that we create, then fine, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. We will not sell to the government or any government agencies, military, law enforcement. So we decided to come out with a letter campaign for the civilians to address the manufacturers. Basically what this is, is the same stance, but us as civilians who spend our money, our hard-earned money, uh, with Glock, with Smith & Wesson, with Colt, with Remington, with all the big manufacturers, are telling them, hey, look, if these gun bans happen and you continue to honor your government contracts sending uh, these same weapons that the civilians are no longer allowed to own, then we're not going to spend another dime with you. We love you. We want you to take this stance with us. It's not an anti-capitalism campaign. It's not an anti-big business. It's a pro-Second Amendment, look, you're a gun manufacturer, take a stance with your customers. The myth is, if little old me sends a letter, it's not going to make a difference. The fact is, no, they will make a difference. Every single person makes a difference. If you take that stance, and we have millions of people taking this stance and sending these letters to the manufacturers, it's going to open their eyes. It's going to make a huge difference. Would you agree? I would agree, because I think I responded to that video in a comment. I do agree, and it's a creative way of utilizing our strengths in this industry, because that's what we need to be doing more of. It's a tactic, and it's probably not a tactic that the people who are pushing against us were expecting. And it carries a lot of weight. A lot of things... You know, with regard to this, come down to big business. In Tennessee right now, we're dealing with this parking lot bill, the so-called guns and trunks, which is most poorly named bill. But anyway, that's what the media calls it, guns and trunks. I can think of a lot of things there, but I'm not. But um, but they talk about, well, big business in this state, Volkswagen, uh, FedEx, and others are opposed to that. Cause they don't, and so the, the legislatures here in Tennessee listen to it. We've got the same opportunity here to use the strengths that we have. One thing that you and I know, and a lot of your listeners, is that the firearms industry and everything related to that, your ammo companies, your accessory companies, look at all the companies that support this industry. And they may be a small company, but they may bring in $2 million a year in revenue. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're supporting people with jobs, which is a heck of a lot more than anything the government's creating right now. So the firearms industry is, is doing it the American way, and they're creating jobs, and they're American companies, and they're supporting Americans and feeding families and putting bread on the table and, and covering insurance and all these other things. And it is one of the fastest-growing, most stable industries. You look at the last 8 to 10 years since that AWB expired in 2004. Look at all the new companies that have been introduced to this market since 2004, nine years ago. Nine years ago. They're one of the only industries that is actually hiring people. 
right. in mass right now. They're growing. And, and the other thing is, this industry right now cannot keep up with production. Mm-mm. How many industries in the U.S. right now have grown at that rate, say, since 2004, since the door was opened up again? How many new businesses have come in? How many people have been hired? How much has gone out on payroll? And, and the fact right now that they are behind in production with everything that they make because we as consumers are buying it. We're lining up. We're lining up at gun shows. We're lining up at the stores. We're lining up online. And it's, you know, we look at the negative side, the supply side. We can't get these things right now. Mm-hmm. The positive side, let's look at the volume of, of business that's being created in this industry. We need to use big business from that perspective against the people who are trying to push back with us with false stats. That, that don't make any sense in the legislation they have that they're throwing out at us. I can go into that all day long. Yeah. And, and this this letter campaign, it, it tries to get big business to partner with us in, in this. I think that's going to be the only way because we keep getting letters from these um, legislators stating, yeah, we love guns. We're pro-Second Amendment. But we think the government's on the right track. With well, their, and they say bands. that because, uh, coming back to the Tennessee example, mm-hmm. with the parking lot bill. Because right. I know last year, 2011, 2012, when they first tried to get this through, I'm sure this has happened in other states. It was a fact here in Tennessee that the companies I mentioned, FedEx. Now, I'm not saying they're bad companies. Obviously, they're not. They, they support a lot of people in this region. Mm-hmm. But they've got the wrong message. Why is FedEx concerned that people like you and I, who go through the background checks and practice safety mm-hmm. and are courteous in informing law enforcement offers that we're carrying, why are they worried about us? I mean, FedEx and Memphis, I think they got bigger problems in Memphis trying to go eat downtown on Beale Street or something else, which, by the way, is a no-guns area. That's a gun-free zone. Beale Street, Street is? Yeah, Beale Street is a gun-free zone. Oh. I hope I'm not wrong on that, but I believe I believe they've declared that a gun-free zone. So Wow. Yeah, I think FedEx has bigger issues in their own backyard to be concerned about than they are about law-abiding citizens like you and I who are doing things right. But their position with regard to this parking lot bill is we're big business and we're going to hurt, we're going to do things, and we're going to maybe build a plant here versus there. Mm-hmm. And they use the threat of big business. And, of course, Tennessee's always been, I believe it or not, a big business state with Nissan and FedEx and these other companies and healthcare here in the Nashville area. And the legislatures will listen. The, 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 our elected officials will listen to that. I think it's a good tactical move to say, look, we've got our own big business. Mm-hmm. And again, you're right. We're not attacking the big business of the companies we're supporting. We're making it very clear. Look, we're obviously for you. We're lining up and waiting on these back orders for right. you to get us product. We're sending you money. We want your product. And you take Let's work this- together to do this from a perspective that the folks who are trying to push this through are not looking for and you take this stand with us, and you've got loyal customers for life. Can you imagine if Glock lost their civilian backing? I, yeah, I guarantee that could, you it's a lot more than their uh, I think it is, because that's, that's a whole other discussion, I yeah. feel. But, you know, Glock dominates. You'll hear different figures. It could be right. 60, 65, 70% of the law enforcement market in the U.S., and that's where they've made their money. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, heck, just in the last, since 1991, when I bought a Glock 22, my first Glock, that's what? Gosh, 22 years ago. I have owned approximately 35, almost 40 different Glocks myself over that period of time. And, of course, I trade them, resell them, and so forth. But I have bought, and that's probably more than a lot of people, but maybe fewer than others who are true Glock collectors. Just on this table tonight, we had probably, what, three grand worth of Glocks at one point in time? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money just with four guys. Yeah, and that's and that's 
based on the price that we paid for those whenever we bought them relative to what today's going market price is for it. Sure. So that's my fact to fight the myth. The myth being, oh, poor little old me is not going to make a difference by sending my letter. The fact being, yes, you will make a difference by sending your letter. You will. And and continue to send to the legislators, too. Don't give up on that to start this one. Take the same concerted effort that you're putting towards the legislators and put it towards this campaign also. So, Bruce, what's your fact to fight the myth? Uh, all cops do not eat donuts. That's the fact, right? That is the fact. We all do. Most officers do not. You'll see us drink a lot of coffee, okay? But uh, no, most officers are not donut eaters. So and instead, y'all eat scones? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm more in the crawlers yeah, myself. Crawlers. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cupcakes. You know, yeah. Crawlers are just... Just they shouldn't have never been invented. Bear claw. That's the most disgusting form of. You don't pastry. like crawlers? No, I, I don't. Love crawlers. What is well, that? I've never heard of that. It's a texture thing. It's like an eggy kind of donut. Yeah, it's crawler? a texture thing. I had to crawl it up like a field tire on a truck mm. or something. What was that again? When hostess went out of business, I laid down and cried like a baby. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a no. Guy. I don't eat donuts. I got so. a couple of king dongs and hostesses also. Ooh. That was another. I, I went out. I went to Kroger's that day and bought <laughs> bought what they had, and it's in a closet at home. You need to hold on to those. It'll be worth something someday. It's next to all my nine. Especially when Woody Harrelson comes back for the zombie takeover. <laughs> well, I know this guy has the wrong ammo, so he's not, I'm not calling on him. Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got some listener feedback. Uh, first one. You want to take that one? Sure. So this is from Danny. Danny says, I think the letters to the firearms manufacturers are a really good idea. The PDF is great. If you could make a list of all the firearms manufacturers' addresses so people wouldn't have to look them up, you know, that would be helpful. And, and that was an idea we, we got from him. And I did go on our Facebook post uh, where we announced this campaign. I went and I listed, I think it was 10 or 15 different firearms manufacturers. I'm also going to take that list and I'm going to put it on our website too at some point this weekend. So that was a really good idea, Danny. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got some new iTunes reviews too. First one is from... Mr. Inator or Inator or Tomator? I don't know. Which I wonder one? if he's related to Mr. Roboto. That might be that. We're old. I don't know how many people. I just are gave away my that. age. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like one of your listeners uh, dressing up to do some twenty-two trick shooting, looking like Getty Lee from Rush. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Payback. <laughs> there it is. That's going in. That's not getting edited out. <laughs> So our first one is from Mr. Inator. <laughs> Alchemist turning lead into gold. Five stars. I kind of like that. That's the best review title I've, we've had since we started yeah. this. Alchemist turning lead into gold. This has to be one of my favorite new podcasts I've found on iTunes. Each week, the shows are getting better and better. I like that each week they have a facts to fight the myth segment and a little bit of trivia for the listeners to enjoy. Once again, we apologize. We forgot the trivia last week. Uh, this is a must listen for anyone who enjoys firearms. Thanks, guys. Uh, next one, another iTunes fantastic podcast, five stars from I Heart Pistachios. You mean to read that one? Go for it. Is that what that says? I, I Heart. It's is that one a of heart? Those little text hearts. It's a arrow sign and a three. So they they love pistachios. They love pistachios. All right, and their comment. Just finished all your episodes. Nice work. You guys are very entertaining, and your stuff got better with every show. And I assume it will continue. I don't, nor do I care to have a Twitter or Facebook account, and I, you know, I don't have Facebook. But hopefully, my review and loyal listening will be good enough. I look forward to the next show. 
They bring up a good point. They're not so much into social media. That's so that kind of I think to me that underscores what you're doing here is reaching out to some people who, however they found you, maybe mm-hmm. even through a YouTube channel. They don't mention anything about that, but I think that's a really good point because. I have a Twitter account with a few followers. I don't have Facebook. I did for three or four days, mm-hmm. and I just don't have time to keep up with it the way it should be managed. But I think this illustrates there are some folks out there that are not so much in the social media that uh, are looking for information such as what you're presenting. There really are. So this is good that you're re- that you're reaching these kinds of folks. <clears throat> and, and one thing I kind of you know I've, I've harped on it a few times on the shows, but Twitter, the thing I love about it is it's almost like you're creating your own little news ticker. Well, that's well, yeah. Like. That's a great way to describe it because some viewers encouraged me a few months ago, beginning of the year, said you got to get into social media. I said, look, if I had time, you know, what free time I have right now outside mm-hmm. of my real job, it's on YouTube. It's creating videos, you know, creating ideas for it, producing them, and then trying to respond to as much feedback as I can. I can mm-hmm. get to a fraction. My inbox right now, my email that's tied to my. YouTube account has 87,000 emails in it. Oh my God. I'll even post a picture of it <laughs> on my Twitter page. It has 87,000. Wow. I can't get to it. Wow. So, one other thing is that um, you look at these folks who are responding like that, which I think, again, is very positive, and where you're going with your mm-hmm. program here and your format is something I've mentioned is that a lot of folks, a lot of gun enthusiasts, and, I, and my concern is, especially with all the activities that are going right now here in February 2013, a lot of gun owners are not on the Internet. They're most certainly not on YouTube and Mm -hmm. and what gun channels are out there. And how are they getting information about all these things that are going to impact them? My concern is that far too many gun owners are going to find out way too late after the fact. Mm-hmm. Just like, And that was obvious. I mean, I had relatives and friends calling me who don't watch YouTube. They're all over Facebook, and they text people all the time. Mm-hmm. But people calling me into the year around the election and everything else saying, where can I find an AR-15? Where can I get ammo? I'm saying, dude, you're four years behind the curve. I mean, I've got ammo cans where I've inventoried ammo, and I counted it four and five years ago. Mm-hmm. I started stocking up four and five years ago, if not before that. So... This is great because it'd be interesting to see after you know a few months or a year or whatnot, are, are you getting to a different demographic of gun enthusiasts who's not in social media, who's not following YouTube? And I think that's exactly what we're looking for right now. It is. And, and one of the things we're going to try to do to start marketing is definitely start – we're going to start buying tables at some of the local gun shows and setting up a table and you know having flyers and everything there. And kind of marketing to a lot of the gun show people who probably don't even use the internet at all. Well, that's the much thing. Much less Facebook. Well, yeah, Twitter exactly. And, so they're not into the you know face page and Twitter. Face page. Face page. <laughs> what is face page? It's, it's, it's MySpace and uh, uh, <laughs> Facebook put together. I think is what somebody <laughs> did. And then you know, of course, left hand was calling Twitter Twitter for the longest time, and literally thought it was spelled T W E T R. Yeah. Uh, but he's not here to defend himself. He had to leave a little early. so I feel honored I'll to sit in this chair. Next one, love the podcast, five stars by Jay Black P2P. I wonder if that's Jack Black. That'd be awesome if he was programmed. Strong, strong podcast. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Strong, strong podcast. I'm so glad to have this. Keep up the great work. You have helped me realize 
there's a lot I thought I knew about guns that I don't really know. Thanks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they're not certain. You they're, still have. You still need to convince this person. They're not. Really they're sure. not on board just yet. So make sure you go to iTunes and write some reviews. Uh, that really is what helps us get seen by a lot more people. As you write the reviews on iTunes, it helps our rankings go up. And we actually got up to rank number three this week at one point in the outdoor iTunes. We were ahead of Tom wow. Gresham. Oh, we were proud. Uh oh, we were like three <laughs> slots ahead of Tom Gresham. That is that is awesome. sacred. That's <laughs> sacred ground right there. It is. So go on iTunes, do that. Don't forget to go to Ruger.com. That has the links to automatically send those letters to your senators. Uh, check out our new letter campaign that's on our website, www.talkingled.com. And, of course, follow us at Twitter at, at @talkinglead, And we're also on Facebook, just Facebook backslash TalkingLed. Thank you, Bruce, for coming by. Thank you, 10 Outdoors 9. Appreciate you guys taking the time. You've been a good time. And left hand, as always, keep your loved ones close. And keep your firearms closer. <laughs>